Cheers, everyone, and welcome to the Heath Bar. I'm your host, Heath Johnson. Each week, I sit down with an artist, creator, or leader who lives or passes through the Black Hills area, kick back a few drinks, and chat about their story. There's some incredible people that surround us, and this is your chance to get to know more about them. From singer-songwriters, film producers, craft brewers, community leaders, and more, the Heath Bar serves up a healthy selection of chats on tap. You can find this and past episodes on iTunes Podcasts and Spotify as well. Just subscribe in the app and you'll know right when your conversation is ready for you. There's also blog posts about the episodes, links to find more info on the guests, merch, and my public schedule as well at heathbaronline.com. Also, get social with the Heath Bar on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at heathbaronline. Interested in becoming a regular at the Heath Bar? Join up at patreon.com forward slash the Heath Bar and toss in a buck or so a month. You'll get exclusive access and input into who should be an upcoming guest on the show. The one and only Thomas Henges, or Burlap Wolf King, is here this week. When I first heard of him, I thought he was just, you know, simply another local artist from Sioux Falls who was clever enough to come up with a catchy stage name, unlike yours truly. And while he is that, what I didn't realize is that I had been listening to his music for over a decade. He was the frontman for one of my favorite metal bands back in my college years. Yes, in one of my former lives, before my love affair with the acoustic sound, I was a huge metalhead. And what I love about Thomas is how genuine he is. He's been through enough in his life to realize that it's much easier to just be who you are instead of maintaining a facade for the masses. In today's world, it's easy to pander to keep an image in the public eye just to keep things status quo, and then, behind closed doors, be someone completely different. This is especially easy in music and creates very unhealthy people. This type of living, though, you'll find is extremely contrary to Thomas's character. He left his national touring and playing at metal shows for several reasons, but I get the feeling he left for the same reason people being honest with themselves risk everything. He needed something real no matter the cost. One listen to Burlap Wolf King's latest album, Bitter Honey, and you'll be glad he took the risk. This conversation was literally our first chat together, and it didn't take long for me to realize that he's someone you want to be around. We talked over a wide variety of topics, and each one felt like I was talking with an old friend. Before we knew it, two hours and a sixer of Kuro's Banquet Tall Boys had passed. I don't apologize for that. You're going to want to listen to the whole thing. Welcome to the Heath Bar, where the conversations are always on tap. Well, we'll chat about that. It's going to be great. Um, so everyone, welcome. We're at the Heath Bar. I'm here with Thomas Henges. Did I say it right? Yeah, Henges. Henges. Yep. All right. Um, he is the uh, the front guy with Burlap Wolf King. That's you, actually. Just is that the band name, or that's you? So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the entity of the of uh, my song. So okay. band solo. You know, occasionally I'll play uh, back home in Sioux Falls. I'll play gigs just under, uh, you know, my own. Christian birth name, uh, more or less, uh, just to not like, you know, if I'm playing at like restaurants and stuff, I don't want to burn, you know, there's definitely a difference in having to play three hours sometimes, right. uh, especially in your hometown, uh, then, 
you know, like a really calculated one hour set. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah, I I, I try to use it when uh, it's best uh, used back home. I'm guessing the 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 set lists are different, and the because uh, um, I do that like when I play with my band, we have a whole different set list from what I play solo. I'm um, just because it's a different. Different feel, different style I'm going for, but... I still play mostly my own stuff. Okay. But, but it just does open me up to, like, play more, you know, just covers and things sure. like that. And you know, I, I definitely go about the gig a little differently, mm-hmm. even from my attitude about it. You know, I'm not taking it too seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Where, again, you know, if you're playing more of an hour, like, calculated thing, you're going to want to play, like, your best material, you know, your your goal is a little different in that scenario. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this week being out here in the hills is kind of different because I've played some shorter sets and then I've played, like, you know, the three-hour stuff um, where you just don't really know what you get. It's kind of how much the um, quote-unquote audience <laughs> is willing to uh, lend themselves to what you're doing. So Sure. Yeah. So how's this week been? You've done this. You've, you've got one more tonight, right, at Crow Peak? Mm-hmm. And so you did two house shows and you played at Lost Cabin. Is that right, or was there Correct. did I miss one? Yep. Okay. No, that's where I've been so far. And uh, you come out here. Is yeah. it once a couple? Like you do that pretty regularly, right? Uh, you know, I've tried to get out here once a year, and you know, as of late, it's been a little more often. And mm-hmm. then, uh, the band will be back this summer, and I'm thankful that we'll be um, together for the gig because you know i mean one thing i've found uh <clears throat> this week was um you know when i come out here my main goal is to you know like spread the, the word of the music and like hopefully there's some people who are interested in seeing it already sure and then just you know you know that idea of like if you come back and keep visiting you know every so often you should hopefully build some kind of thing up i don't think that's really been the case and um but again, it's uh, I'm, I'm really hoping for uh, something fun tonight because uh, um, you know it's it's been a little bit of a rough go. <laughs> oh me. man! So so um, there was a killer turnout the other night at Lost Cabin. Uh-huh. Um, so I was very excited about that. Um, but I mean, you're definitely like even amplified. It was like you know, I mean, there certainly was people listening, and particularly early on. But you know, somewhere in the middle of the second set the polite applause kind of disappeared and yeah. things like that. Sure. And, uh, you know, as the beers go down, the conversation tends to go up. Yeah. So it's, um, that's kind of the thing though. You play those kind of gigs where you, you, you're not like necessarily being, you're not the feature of the evening, so to speak. You're more of a part of the evening. Sure. And, you know, I just, you know, you kind of have to remind yourself of that sometimes, but it's a very hard, um, it's a hard position to be in um, as a creative person, and and um, it's also a hard position to like do it for that long of a period of time, and just uh, you know when you're sometimes putting so much of yourself out there with the music, <laughs> you you can get to the point where you feel you know you get a little too inside yourself sometimes. You yeah, have too much time to do. <laughs> I don't know anything about that at all, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking nonsense. Yeah. Uh, no, we played at uh, we played at Lost Cabin for the first time just a few weeks back. Um, actually, it was on my birthday, which was kind of neat. And I so it was it was that, but it was a stock show. So oh, yeah. it was just this giant crowd, um, and uh, they they had a beer release, and it was it was. I mean, we we just we had fun, you know. Yep. But there was definitely a small crowd paying attention, and the majority of it was just having a good time, you know. Yep. So you're a part of it. Yep. 
And it's, do you find it, uh, is it easy to fade into just background noise? Like, do you find yourself going there and just saying, oh, well, I'll just, I'll try to get their attention next time? Or do you like continually fight for keeping attention at, at what you're playing or how, do, yeah. how does that roll with you? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it all depends on the, the day and, yeah. and my read, I guess, of everything. Um, I try to get a good read. I mean, you, you can see it in people's eyes and their contact with you and every once in a while, whether they're listening or not. So I try to keep in mind, like, hey, there's a couple people out there who are, mm -hmm. like, acknowledging that you're, you know, that they are actually listening. You know, do it for them, you know? Yeah. If everybody's like got their, your audience. Yeah, <laughs> if everybody's got their back to me and, like, the conversation is loud and I play this game every once in a while where I where I can feel like I've totally lost the room, where I'll kind of EQ myself and go up and down in volume, like very, just, you know, I'll start singing very quietly, and then I'll go up and I'll I'll watch because the conversation will go up and down. It's like you have a volume. <laughs> it so follows you. Down. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I, I, and I don't, I'm not alone in this. I think this is the case for anyone because, quite frankly, I've, I mean, again, you know, I know what that, time and place for, you know, mm -hmm. what, what the intention is sometimes, but it's very hard to, uh, you know, get anywhere, get your music anywhere in those scenarios. So it's, it's a tough go. It's a tough, you know, like I wish I could come out here, play a theater, you know, have people interested and go home at night with money in my pocket and feeling like, you know, artistically yeah. and creatively satisfied and feeling like, you know, okay. I did what I was to do, but like that, that's just such not a reality, uh, especially in our neck of the woods. Um, it's very hard to achieve, you know, it's hard for me to even do that um, back home, you know, mm -hmm. even in Sioux Falls. Um, I think society just doesn't lend itself <clears throat> to to these endeavors as much as and as they have in the past. I think people too, like the idea of like idle time or whatever, I mean... You know, you'll you'll be playing music or something, and it's like, oh, it's quiet, but everybody's on the phone, or you know, like people can't seem to just like take half an hour every so often and try to be a part of something a little bigger than just themselves. Yeah, and in a shared experience, and I don't know why that is. Um, it it's sad to me, uh, and I'm guilty of being a part of it at times. It's just kind of the way it is, but the appreciation has kind of gotten. At an all-time low, I find, lately. I think it's, like, for one, I don't know. I've, I've been looking at a lot of that and even my own habits when I when I have downtime or when I'm bored. Right. Like, what what do I find myself automatically going to when I'm bored? Yeah. And it's it's not good. Like, no, I everything, that I, everything on that list is, yep. like, I'm embarrassed. I don't want anyone to see this yep, list. Yep. And I think it's, it's just... Um, so much of, of how our culture is right now, it's it's all just hand given to us. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the especially in the music culture, if you listen to the radio, there's there's forty songs. Here's here's what you like now. Right. You know, and and then on top of that, we 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 expect um, when we go out and when we do stuff, we're either talking with people or we're we're like you said, we're not paying attention to the artists. And I think we don't even know how to yeah. anymore. Yeah. Because you're gonna you're gonna hear someone live. And of course, it's not going to sound like the top forty hits you're hearing on the radio all day long in your car. Right. Uh, and and 
we don't realize that that's a good thing. Yep, yep. I don't know. Well, and even like, I mean, even if somebody's listening to something in the same vein as what I'm doing, you know, that was one frustrating thing. Like, it's very interesting. Everywhere I've gone uh, this week in the hills, like the music I hear in these bars and restaurants and all these places I've been, I mean, it's very much right in that vein of what I do, that Americana stuff. Like, I hear it way more mm -hmm. here than I do even back home. Like, back home, it's a lot more varied where you go, that, you know. But here, like, aesthetically, everybody seems to be playing that kind of music, you sure. know. But it's with these different arrangements, you know. Obviously, it's like full arrangements and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it yeah, it sounds different, but that's... What's interesting is that, you know, the, the idea of a performer being solo, I mean, it, it, it takes, I mean, not everybody who plays solo is very compelling, <laughs> you know? Right. So I understand the idea of like, you know, I mean, the, last night was a prime example. I was at a, a, a get together that I thought was going to be more of a house show and it kind of actually just turned into a house party and it was just me. I didn't bother setting up my amp because I figured... We were in this traditional house show type setting where I wouldn't need it, you know? Right. And it became very clear to me, like, I hadn't even sang a lyric yet, and, like, nobody gave a damn to, to, to like, limit their conversation whatsoever. The next thing I know, I'm, like, two songs in, and it's very apparent, like, nobody gives a damn. Dude. So you were almost just basically the radio, like, hey, let's kick yeah, on some background music. Yeah, you could even hear the radio. Oh, man. Like, it was just, okay. it was just, it was very, you know, it's very disheartening to do that kind of thing, and... uh but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's weird to like, you know, and then I have somebody in my ear like, you need to tell these people to be quiet. You need to do this. You're very good. I'm sitting here listening and loving this, but I can't, you have to let them know, you know, and I'm like, I can't do that. Then I'm an asshole. You right. Know? Like, then, then I'm I don't, an asshole. Then they're going to hate listening to yeah, me no matter what I do. I can't, and that's what I said. I said, forcing people to listen to me is not the way to, right. to, to get them to enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, I can't be like, you know, hey. Just sit down, and if you can all be quiet for 30 minutes, I'll give you all a beer. I mean, come on. I, that's not my job. Like, yeah. If people don't want to hear it, you know, it's very hard to, to let them hear. But the thing is, is if somebody is a compelling performer and uh, on their own, uh -huh. you, you get a unique, you know, you get this unique, intimate performance out of them, and that's when you're going to get the, you know, the good stories and all that extra stuff that, you know, people who truly cherish music that, you know, they want just a little bit more than the surface, you know? Yeah. And that's the kind of environment that, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, setting is trying to provide. So it's been kind of a disheartening trip just because the gigs haven't necessarily worked out as I was hoping. Um, I'm excited for tonight and hoping, you know, hoping uh, there's some kind of uh, common ground in the middle of what I would like and what I know will be, you know, the case. Hopefully yeah. there's some kind of give, uh, you know, even... You know, at a certain point of the night, you know, I yeah. still, you know. Well, we'll hang out for a while now and just make sure you have a good time here anyway mm -hmm. with our Coors Banquet, man. That's right. That's Woo! right. I I, uh, I can't remember the last time I had one of these, and I might just start regularly having, <laughs> them, having them at my house. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're good to have. I... Do you... Um, uh, because so, that's that's not specific to house shows where people are just kind of doing their own thing by any means. But no. do you... Um, do you kind of feel like it's at that point it's the host's kind of job to say, hey, everyone, grab a seat? Oh, yeah. That kind of thing versus someone coming up to you and saying, hey, you need to be the guy to do that. Totally. I think, you know, at that point, the, 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 it, 
it should be laid out in, in, in you know, beforehand, upon invitation, the expectations should be very clear. Yeah. That, uh, you know, we're here to have fun, but, uh, you know, there's the people here to hear this music, and that's why they're here. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to, you know, I mean, the traditional thing is if people are talking at, you know, one of these things, they, they kind of warned once, and then they're asked to leave, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't have that luxury because people don't, you know, again, I'm not uh, one of these guys who, because there are people who these days, I mean, essentially make their living only doing house shows. Right. And I don't blame them because to get out into a like a club or a bar or something for these guys, I, I know what that would, how unfulfilling that would be, you know, like, uh, like people like, I mean, Will Johnson and, and Damien Gerardo, those are kind of guys that I think of immediately. Like mm -hmm. they've been, you know, David Bazant, these are the guys that have been doing this now for like five, ten years, primarily yeah. doing house type shows and, and untraditional venues and things like that because they know that essentially I think over the years of them being involved for so long, they could collectively see like this is what people we need to do now because we can't go into the bars and, and do what we're trying to do and they don't make enough money necessarily to bring a band around all the time. Well, and and that's um, like the house show, I don't know if you'd call it a movement. I, I, I have a hard time using the word movement just, you know, right. regularly because yeah. there's... <laughs> There's things I think it definitely is a movement versus, hey, this is a trend now. Right. Um, but that has definitely, I, I think it's fairly new. Yep. I mean, in terms of people going to hear music and everything like that. Um, and, you know, living where we live up here in South Dakota, I'm, I wonder if people just don't, they haven't fully grasped under it yet. I mean, how many would you say you've done as far as house shows go? Um, I've only probably played like pff, somewhere around 10, you know. Okay. I've hosted a couple um, in my apartment back mm -hmm. home, and those were, you know, they're usually fairly well attended. You know, usually you can get about a third of the invites to show up, so somewhere around 30 to 40, which is ideal. That's a great crowd, yeah. Um, but, you know, I've even struggled with those nights. Like, I've had to tell people, like, when they say they had a good time, I have to tell them, well, like... I'm going to have to start charging admission because the donation, like goodwill donation type based thing hasn't been yielding the kind of numbers that I, I like, you know I mean? When, when I have somebody come in and I do a suggested donation, $10, you know, mm -hmm. and when we pass the hat and it comes back and there's at least 30, 35 people in there and there's like 125 bucks, it's like, okay, you know, yeah. that just doesn't, that doesn't work, y'all. Like, I can't, I can't convince people that this is worth their time um, if, if it's going to be like that. And there's just really no excuse for that. I mean, you're getting this well, it's really just not performance. It's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's not. You know, you get that. I mean, when you're out at a bar and you walk into a place and it's just, hey, we're going out to hang out. There happens to be a musician playing. I get that. You know, mm -hmm. some places, if it's like an actual show, they'll have like a $5 cover or something right. like that. But a house show... I mean, it's like buying, it's like going to see a performance. Yep. It's, it's exactly I mean, going to see a performance, yep, yep, you know? Exactly. And you're basically getting it for free yep. if you're not even willing to put in, yep. I mean, I mean, suggested donation, there's a reason it says suggested donation and it's not because it's optional, yeah, <laughs> you know what exactly, I mean? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's, it's really weird. I mean, it's one thing to see like, I mean, you know, it's one thing to see like a five in there. But like a you know a wad of like three singles that clearly came out of one wallet you know yeah um, you know, I, one day I was like well maybe people just aren't carrying cash and I was like no I mean I, I made it very clear on the invitation like 
Yeah, the last one I did, I like even like mentioned like you know suggested donation of ten dollars and you know even said like for me to continue to do this kind of thing, it's essential that people contribute mm-hmm. and, and it still didn't work. So, but I've seen I've seen them in different scenarios. Um, I've been uh, able to see several great house concerts by um, you know reputable uh, artists in Sioux Falls because of a friend of mine who often has them in um, mm-hmm. uh, when they're passing through and so on. And sometimes, you know, there's a, sometimes there is a donation, sometimes not because sometimes he just eats it, you know, he just does it. and yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty awesome for him to do that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a really, um, it's, I don't think it's caught on at all here in, in South Dakota. I, I advertise often, uh, you know, if, if this is something you're interested in, you know, usually about every six months I put something up about it mm-hmm. and I never get any kind of bites. Do you think it's, it's just because, uh, of the culture up here or do you think it has to do with space? Um, I mean, I say that, I mean, I, I'm look. you know, I, obviously my house is, is not that big, but at the same time, like if I wanted to get 15 people in here for a house show, probably could do it. Mm-hmm. Oh you yeah. Know? I don't think you think it, people just think they're how I don't have enough room or all the space or convenience maybe. Or? Yeah, I can't speak to it. I mean, I live above a funeral home, so I live above a you know pretty serious business, and I yeah. feel like I just start them late enough where I know there's not going to be something going on. You know, so I'm taking risks just by having that many people over now. I mean, if you're getting complaints from late at night from the funeral home, there's a whole other issue. Yeah, going on, yeah. Man. Like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Because Andrew's done some. I've been to, I've been okay. to his. Uh, he had one a, a few years ago. I think last year maybe. Uh, Michael Howard and Caroline Cotter. I don't know if you've heard of them. They come through here um, about once a year or yep. a couple times a year. See them come through. And, and he did one for them. And it was a great crowd. And I, th- I thought it was it a phenomenal show. Yep. It was yep. great. Um, and then I, you know, I find out later, like, same situation. Like, it really turned out to be a lot of people just came and, left yeah. you left. know yep yep yeah and it's weird because i i just go chalk back to the kind of appreciation thing and it's just unfortunate it's like again you know like i go back to last night where when i was playing in that scenario i felt like a walking punchline like i literally felt like that oh there's the white guy with the acoustic guitar at the <laughs> party don't be that guy you know like, yeah that's what i felt like and yeah so i was like oh i'm not doing this yeah. You know, and uh, so I, I played a few songs and I was just like, okay. And then I felt guilty leaving with this wad of money. Yeah. Because I was like, I didn't do a service. You yeah. Know, like, I, I mean, you just essentially just paid for me to come here and drink beer with y'all. Like, it was very weird, you know. And uh, I um, I mean, the best part of the gig was this morning just waking up because I got to have coffee and conversation with an old friend for a while. And, yeah. You know, which was great, but. Yeah, I mean, my my entire purpose of coming out here this uh, this uh, this go round and every go round is uh, you know it's more than anything I've just learned some things. I think, yeah, you know, sure. I'll definitely be taking back and and, uh, and 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 taking what I've learned and kind of like implanting uh, implementing that into well, just a lot of my plans going forward in general. Well, I think I mean it kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, where I think people as a whole have almost lost the concept of appreciating something from an artist directly from them. Um, and I think, I think a lot of it comes back to what, what 
we're just we're pushed with this is this is what we like now this is what we do i mean i think of you know people i know that you know i'm a country artist so i think of people that you know they oh luke can you play some luke bryan or jason aldean or something like that and like no, yeah, <laughs> you know, but it, it, it not not so much that oh hey you know I I mean hey they, they hit it they're doing they're doing their career they're doing something they love you got to appreciate that, but when, I mean when I lived in Omaha the the music scene there was insane yeah, yeah. I mean it was unbelievable and you you purposely went to shows because it was local yeah. artists and yeah. local original songs, um, and I feel like. I feel like it's growing, at least here in in the Black Hills, West River area. I feel like there's more of a awareness. Hey, we have songwriters around here. But when you're out at a show, it's almost like there's this understanding of, but you're not going to play your songs here, right? Because we want <laughs> we want the cover songs. You know, yep. you can post those online all you want. Right, you know, that's right. totally fine. You know, but but we want to hear. You know. Um, wrote Wagon Wheel again, or all you know, right. Steve Earle, and all these you know. Right. All those songs, which is you know, which is great, I, but I mean, like, just put some money in the juke later, you know? Yeah, like, like, like that. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's what frustrates me more is that aspect. It's not the people who are listening to something like that. I mean, that I have no relation to. Sure, you know, yeah. like you know, modern country music, whatever yeah. they're calling country music now. That being an example, or top forty, or anything like. Yeah, I get that there's that, but there's there's lots of people who enjoy the kind of music that like a person like myself or yourself makes. Like it's it's not it's it's not really even that. It's just I don't know. South Dakota also does have a bit of an attitude that nothing good comes from here. So <laughs> see, I'm I'm trying to figure out why. Yeah. Like I don't because like nobody will get behind anything. You know I don't I mean? get it. I mean, look at like uh, I always tell people. And I, my my number one example is uh, Tom Daschle. Now this is politics, but the idea is he gets into a place where you know a position where he can be as powerful and uh, you know and, and really bring our the attention to the needs of our people because he was in a very high position. And then what do we do? We vote him not even out of the position. We just vote him right out of office so that he loses that position. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, oh, hot shot. We'll, we'll pull you down by your ankles. That's what my dad always calls it. We, he says, as South Dakotans, we always pull each other down and by our ankles to remind each other that, you know, you're no better than me. And I think that's a little bit of the attitude. Like, I think the modern turn on that is, you know, like I said, I mean... I hate to get so like heavy and no, dude. That's what whatever. that's what this is for, man. Yeah, but, the, uh, but the idea that like society like literally is so self obsessed uh, with you know self that they aren't. I mean, <laughs> people are literally on their phones constantly taking yeah. pictures of themselves and like putting silly you know fucking filters and shit on yeah. it all the time and like this is like everybody's doing this and like that's. And posting the stuff and like, I mean, like I, you know, I spend a lot, I need to stop doing it, but I spend a lot of my day looking at, you know, shit with people, like just pictures of people and their kids and pictures of people's dogs. And and like, like everybody honestly feels like their life is like on screen. It's like all the time. Literally, like, like literally everybody feels, I mean, our parents, our generation, our parents would tell us. You can be anything you want to send your mind to, you know, put, mm-hmm. you know, it's bullshit. Yeah. It's total bullshit. Yeah. And it's a line, man. And like, I don't know where they got it because their parents certainly shit, sure as shit didn't tell them that, 
You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, I, mean, I remember it's my really grandparents. Weird. That never came out of their mouths. <laughs> so yeah, so it's weird for me. Like obviously, there's a little juxtaposition I'm kind of using there, and I'm getting a little liberal with the use of that. But I mean, honestly, I think everybody is so like into their little world and broadcasting that and presenting it as something like. You know, you and I, we try to present ourselves. We try to brand our music. We try right. to brand it with imagery and all these things that, you know, people are doing that just with self. Yeah. You know, I was kind of going off on a tangent here, some, you know, somewhat related. Uh, you know, we were talking about divorce earlier. Right. It's so interesting. My friend told me last night that she had read something about just even like social social media within the confines of relationships and so on is how people you know uh, before social media i mean we're, we're not even talking about tinder and all these other silly right. things we're just talking about straight social media oh can we please talk about tinder no, yeah i'm just kidding <laughs> never, i'd rather never not. ever have i so i don't know anything about it but i just hear the kids at work talking about it but uh but no i mean when it gets down to it like in the past you know Somebody um, is in a, in a relationship and they, you know, they're kind of, you know, they just see what they see. They see their surroundings, you know, right. or like, let's say somebody gets a divorce and then they're having a hard time committing, you know, moving forward. Well, you know, now it's even worse because in the past it was like, let's say I lived in Spearfish mm -hmm. and I got a divorce and, and there's no social media. Well, I would just have to go out to the bar and go out to these places. And so what I would see was what's my reality right. right now people's reality is not only people from their neck of the woods but all over the country all over yeah. the world all over the that and everybody again is branding themselves as this thing whether they're actually that person or not so it's always that idea that i think we constantly live in the idea with this idea that the grass is always greener you well, know it, it's it's a perpetual belief that the grass is always yeah. greener, and and you can always at least in your own mind prove it Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think I've got, I got a lot of single guys, you know, and um, they, they'll, they'll meet someone, they're awesome, something like that, and, but they're still on, you know, on the apps, something like that, and then they'll, oh, well, look at this one, or look at this, and just, yeah. and you're constantly not satisfied. Yep. And, yep. And, and which is really funny to say in a, in a culture and in a world right now that everything that is given to us is designed to satisfy a need or a craving just constantly yeah, and immediately but we can't do it and we can't do it we're exactly. like oh but what about this and just it's more 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 and and you brand yourself a certain way uh not not musically or anything that just people in general almost uh it's almost uh this is what i wish i was right and if i was this this is who i could be with or this is how happy right. i would be but inside you're just you're just crumbling man right Right. I think, uh, I mean, when I, you know, uh, so just recently, I, about every couple years, I go through like a Facebook purge where I'll just delete a bunch of friends. Mm -hmm. um, and it was great. I had a, like 900 something friends at one point from like when I was in kindergarten. Right, up. right, right, right. And I, it, but it hit me. It's like, you know, if we didn't have this out of sight, out of mind. Why would I even be thinking about this person? Right. I mean, other than like random memories of yep. kindergarten and stuff like that. But the fact that all of a sudden I want to be interested in their life, right? I don't know them. And I don't, it's not, it's not me saying I don't care to know them. is isn't, doesn't mean I don't care for them as a person. It's just, 
that's just right. life, you right. know? But now it's just, so I deleted all of them and uh, you know, started back up again. Within a year, I had another two or 300. Yep. Like just boom, instantly. Yep. And I just went through it again because I was trying to make Facebook just like for family yep. and stuff. Because so, my parents live away. It's easy for them to see pictures right. of the girls and right. stuff on Facebook. It's just an easy way to, to, to get that to them. But then what I noticed is like my music pages and everything just took a huge hit, partly because I wasn't I wasn't using it. Yep, and yep. how do you um, promote your your music out there if you have no quote unquote friends yep, yep, on yep, Facebook? Yep. So it kind of just became I, I don't I, yeah, if you I want to use yeah. it you don't have a choice. Yeah, I fought it so hard like back in the day when I you know in the mid two thousands when it was really starting to come around i i fought all of it like i no i'm not gonna have a myspace i'm not yeah. doing any of this stuff yeah and that's the reason i ended up getting it was because i had to do it for promotion of what i was doing well it's it's a it's free yep it's free promotion it's cheap promotion if even if you want to pay for the promo stuff i mean it, that's cheap too mm -hmm. um but then the funny thing is too like if you unfriend someone and they find out about it Dude, they they take it personal. Yep, yep. And it's it's I I've had a few people message me. They're like, hey man, if I did anything to offend you, or if I posted something that offended you, and I it's like one that's never gonna happen because yeah. you know I got a backbone. You can you and I can disagree <laughs> as far as people can disagree, and that's that doesn't change anything for yeah. me. You know yep. whatever. Yep. Um, but uh, people, it becomes, it almost becomes, it's, it's real life. Where yep. That unfriending them is the same as, like, punching them in the face and saying, I don't want to see you again right. ever in real life. And right. it blows, blows me away. But it, it's a thing. Yeah, um, it, is, it is different. It is, do you, you know. So you, um, how do you currently balance that? Like, the social media versus your personal life and with promoting your music Oh, not well. <laughs> I, I spend more time on it than I'd ever like to admit. And I, I'm like anybody else. I have that anxiety of like feeling like I got to catch up. I got to make sure that yeah. I've gotten through all this stuff. And if like I put it off, like for, you know, like I find that if like I don't touch it for 36 hours, it's so daunting to get like quote unquote right. caught up. So it, it honestly, like, I honestly think at this point that if, if I didn't, need it as a promotional thing i would cut myself off from yeah. it strictly because i am i can i can see the effect of it yeah. just like and i can understand where that comes so i just want to live a lot more in the moment and not you know there all the time i mean yeah hell i would rather even be watching a movie or like tv or like netflix or something most of the time than honestly being on that damn phone yeah but i am i'm yeah. on that damn thing because it's too easy to just like you know do and um so yeah i mean the balance of it is really rough because it's almost like we can't be alone with ourselves anymore right we have to stay connected right we have to have this uh i don't know feeling that like like you said earlier feeling that we are on screen all the time otherwise we don't feel like Almost, maybe we just don't feel like we have any meaning. It, it's, it's I don't a know. Strange, it's a strange thing, and we're learning. About, you know, I think it's interesting the research that continues to come out about this stuff, though. Too, yeah. like, you know, I mean, it's such a new thing that they have to do a lot of it before it's not all just somewhat opinion based. You know, but it uh, it is interesting, and I think you know, 
it's one of those things, like, it's such a strange make-or-break thing, though, too. Like, you know, I look at, like, the artists in the the kind of realm of music that I make, and, you know, some of them are set up for a quick little taste of success. Some of them will have longevity. Some of them have the music to, to be top-notch, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't click. And it's, yeah. it, and, and it's always been that way, but it's so amplified now with the way things are. Um, but it's interesting to see like how, you know, even something like, like a streaming service like Spotify. So if you're like listening to something and let's say the album runs out, right. And you can have that thing where it comes on, it'll start throwing other stuff at you. That's yeah. like, you know, I think a lot of people like they discover music that way and stuff like that too. So that's one thing. It's kind of being spoon-fed to you that way. You don't have to seek it out. It's kind of seeking you out, which is great for an artist, you would think. But you're in a tank with a lot of sharks, oh, it's, man. Oh, it's a big tank. And it's a big, big tank. And, and it's full. It is. And, <laughs> and people only have so much time, so much money, so much interest, so much, you know, whatever. So, But it's so interesting like to me to, to watch. like You have people who seemingly like have kind of a, a quick rise, you know. And... What a what a thrilling thing that must be, but terrifying at the same time because you could be gone tomorrow. You know, like what's the old Chris Rock joke? You know, gone, here today, gone today. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, and yeah. that 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 definitely could happen. But I mean, everything got cheapened, obviously with Napster. Yeah. That's no secret. Like, that's when, to me, I mean, that did kill the record industry, and it well, definitely killed. You it, know, I mean, it felt like the music became. The promotion yep. for for like shows and merch and stuff. So I mean, how many how many how many artists just they they just put their music out there hoping somebody likes it. Yep. And in turn buys a shirt, buys a hat, buys a CD. You know, comes to the show. Comes and, to the and, shows, yeah, that's, and that's, that's where, where they, they make, make their money, money now. Yep. It's it's just a huge shift where the music is is not the the product you're selling anymore. Nope. It's nope. the it's the marketing. And that's what's so interesting about like the vinyl boom and stuff too, because like people are all of a sudden, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll spend three times the normal asking price of like a CD for this vinyl because like, you know, because we do long for something different. We want, yeah. you know I mean? We do admit like that there's value to this and we want this physical thing. Like I, I don't trust technology. Well, I don't want a bunch of songs just on a computer. Yeah. Well, and that there's there's value because how isn't it, isn't that way with iTunes now? They do that with their movies currently, but you buy the rights to you buy like a license. You don't actually ever own the movie. It's the same. I think they're doing the same with their songs now. You don't ever actually physically have that song unless you take it off and burn it to a CD or something like that. Right. But it's all just licensing now. These these licenses for these songs and these movies are associated with your ID, and that's why you have access to them, mm -hmm. unless you pay for the you know streaming service or something like that. Yep. But the the vinyl thing, and you, I don't know if you you if you peeked at my our our collection over there. We've yep. got a we've got a it's it's still small, but it's it's a couple hundred I think. But um, yeah, maybe. I've got seventeen fifty. Okay, I'm, so I'm like I need to those, shut up. I'm you're, like one of those you're, dorks. You're like, you know, oh, that's like, nothing here. You know, like, but I, I've been collecting them for so long. Though, you walk I mean, in that—that's cute. You think you're a vinyl nah, collector? No, you know, I mean, <laughs> I just working in a record store for years, like I did before the vinyl boom. Yeah, um, I was able to purchase records dirt cheap from people. Like I'd buy lots of records, uh, you know, um, because even at the time, the, the people that I worked for didn't see the value 
in them, they weren't going to take the time to like price them uh, according to sure. what it was, what yeah. the condition was. So you could, you know, most of our titles were selling for two to four dollars, you know. And right. And so that being said, we weren't paying much for them, and you know, unlike most of the things where I would have to pay a certain, I would have to pay like, I could pay for what we paid for something one time a week. No, I could pay what we paid for as much as I wanted. Mm -hmm. So if I bought a, you know, if I bought some widower's collection, you know, yeah. for, uh, you know, 20 bucks, I could take the whole lot for 20 bucks, throw away what I don't want or put them right. in the bins, whatever, you know. And that was fun. That was a fun era. Yeah. That was a Wild West kind of era because... Yeah, I mean, I, I had one time where it was really cool. Somebody brought in, like, her, her husband had passed away a few years before. She was just kind of cleaning out some stuff. She brought in a big box of albums, and it was all this, like, great, kind of harder-to-find early 70s kind of country rock stuff. Oh, cool. And then there was your, you know, normal run-of-the-mill titles in there that you'd see in almost any box. And it was so funny because, uh, you know, I told her, I said, you know, there's some, I'm going to be honest with you, there's some stuff in here that's not, you know, the stuff we see all the time. I'm really into this kind of stuff. So I'm mostly buying these for my own self that are going to go home with me. I'm not going to, most of this won't even end up on the shelf. <clears throat> and she was very thrilled with that. She thought that was great. And mm -hmm. so the price I gave her, you know, I was paying somewhere between a dime and a quarter pretty much for each record. Yeah. She was satisfied because she knew it was going to a good place and that they were going to get used. And it wasn't about the money. She just wanted somebody else to get use out of them, right? 20 minutes after she left, I get a phone call from her son-in-law, just irate with me because I ripped her off. And, you know, I, you know, I said to him, I said, no, you know, I'll be honest, sir. I mean, I was very open and honest with her. And I told her, you know, I'm not paying you what these are worth by any stretch of imagination. I was very honest. And he's like, we kept talking and he was very angry. And then all of a sudden he said something to me. And all of a sudden I just was like, oh, I can about hang this phone up now. He says... I mean, there was valuable stuff in there, man. Like, there was a copy of the Grease soundtrack in there. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> so immediately, I'm like, okay, well, that makes me know right away you have no clue what the hell and you're talking click. about. I mean, like, <laughs> like, I mean, that's the kind of record, I mean, you expect to come in, and I mean, in almost every bin that comes in because that was yeah. a huge selling I mean, record, how many so. of those did they print? Like, right. Because they're not unique. Yeah, you go you on know? Discogs and you can get one probably for 49 cents. It's going to cost oh, you two, geez. two and a half dollars to ship it, but yeah. well, you see, can probably get one for a penny. The thing <laughs> the thing that I, I love about vinyl is, like, if, so if I if I have a Spotify account, Me too. and that's where, I, that's where I stream and yep. find most of my new music, just, you know, just like most people. But the thing that I, if I like an album, I, I'll, buy the, I'll buy the album. Yep. And then when I get it on vinyl, like what I do is I, I'll sit and I go straight through the whole thing. Like I don't just, oh, I want to hear this song. If right. I want to do that, that's on, I'm going to stream that. Totally. But if I turn on a vinyl, like it, I'm sitting down for the next hour, hour 20, however long it is, 45 minutes, and I'm listening through the whole thing. Yep. Um, and it's almost like a study and seeing why they, why they chose these songs, why they put them in that order, mm -hmm. what type of style they're doing and genre and everything like that. And um, we have vinyl nights with me and a bunch of friends and stuff where we each bring a vinyl and we oh, sure. kick back some whiskey. We yep. just, we listen through them all and we just kind of talk about them and it's it's amazing. Yep. But you you can't get the same effect even though it's the same songs if you're like streaming it through a Bluetooth speaker or something like that. Right. It's something very very different and I don't know if it's just a nostalgia thing or if it's just you're more focused. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's nostalgia. I think it, it the format, I mean, lends itself to you paying more attention, both because of the audio quality and then also because of the fact that you're going to have to get up at some point and switch that thing over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you're totally right. And I'm the same way. I have Spotify. You know, I subscribe to it so that I can listen to a whole album mm-hmm. front to back because... I'm one of those people that can pay $10 a month to do that because I'm going to spend money on records this right. month. So oh, I yeah. want to make sure that the money I spend is on something that I want to. You know. <laughs> Whitney always tells me, because you, you buy a lot of vinyl because <laughs> about once a week there's a new one rolling in. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it would be embarrassing like if, uh, if, if uh, people saw how much of it comes and goes. Yeah. but You can kick back there. If but I, uh, I DJ back. now, too, so like that, yeah. that, that just hasn't... Um, made the uh, obsession go away or the, the, you know, it definitely makes me feel like I need records that I definitely, like, wouldn't think I would need if I wasn't um, DJing. Yeah. Like, I just bought the um, Chic. uh, Oh, yeah. The debut Chic album. Yeah. And Miles Rogers and stuff. So, you know, because, I mean, you play play the freak. (laughs) Right. And, you know, like, you're setting a vibe, man. Yep. Do I need that at home? No, man. I hear it on the on the, on the radio. Enough, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. But you know, for seven bucks, you know, like I can get you know how many how many good little dance parties started with the freak, you know. Yeah, easily, <laughs> easily. Uh, I never, I, ne- I never could get into DJing, but uh, uh, you got to you got to tell me what that's like. So it's, it, I mean, it's obviously very, very different. It uh, is. And- we do it, like me and my partner, that we do things together. Uh, we do things very differently. We do them like more like they do on the coast. You know, we're not like, our ideal thing is not to like, we're not going out there necessarily thinking tonight we're starting to dance, you know, people can expect dance music all night. We have very eclectic taste and so we're playing like eclectic mixes. And at times we can do a night of like all British stuff and mm-hmm. you know one maybe one night we're doing you know maybe it is a dance party maybe it's got to focus on one decade or something you know we can mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff but ideally like what we like to do is take turns and play sets of like three to five songs mm-hmm. so i go up there and i'll play like a country funk set and then he'll come in and do like some like psych rock stuff and then i'll come back and i'll do um Oh, I don't know, something like um, like a '60s garage thing, and then it goes back over to him, and he's doing hip hop. You know, like mm-hmm. we like to just kind of mix it all up. Um, so it's more of a like a curated experience mm-hmm. than it is um, like a club type thing. Sure. So, and it's been you know we're having a hard time um, so far, like getting that across to people. Like they don't know what to expect just because we're isolated uh, from, yeah well, it's, it's one of those things same. you know it's yeah. one of those things where like everywhere is everywhere you know it, with the modern era of technology sure but you still have more culture going on on the coast where there's more people it's not a coincidence yeah you know, like, what, what's the what's the the number i think is it the midwest is usually is it four to Six years behind, or maybe it's more. Seven years, maybe it's seven years. I don't know. And I used to always believe that. Behind. I, I guess that's not the word yeah, I'm looking for. I don't, I don't buy that shit anymore because of, I mean, we're watching the same fucking TV as everybody else is across the country. Yeah. We are, you know, we're, the same shit is being spewed to us that anybody else is. I mean, but the thing is, you get into those spots, 
and there's these little tiny seeds and cultures and yeah that stuff takes longer to get here for whatever reason i wonder if it's just density of population it is it is it's totally you know we can walk down the street it's odd and i could i mean i'm two blocks away from downtown i could walk all the way downtown and not bump into a single person I'm in LA or Chicago or right. New York, that's never happening. Yep. You know, and that's, you're going to see multiple different yep. lifestyles right in yep. your face. You know, and that's just it. It's it's just it's odds. I mean, you know, yeah. If you have X amount of people living in a bigger city versus the smaller place, there's that many different kinds of people. Yeah, so, and it's those not that, people are going to find each other and make these little niches. And so it's not necessarily that it's slower. It's just uh, those types of lifestyles i guess whatever just aren't mm -hmm. always here i guess but not yep. that they're not here i mean i you know there's south dakota has got a very eclectic people group oh, I, yeah, I feel absolutely. like you know oh absolutely um, absolutely and it's it's again i mean that's a, that's that's one of the cooler things about um the technology thing that we've been talking about is like you know i mean i think people are more free to express themselves because of it even in, in communities like this where people in the past wouldn't have been as, you know, because there's a community, like, it, it, even online, there's a community versus just, like, your actual community. So you can see the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, like, um, obviously, like, a prime example, I think, is, um, like, uh, how do I say this? 10, 20 years ago, you know, a person in these parts would be a lot more um, prone to keep their homosexuality a secret. Yeah. Right? And now they don't feel that way. They feel much more empowered to be who they are. Yeah. You know? And, and that's, to me, that's a like a totally, that's totally thanks to technology, you know, yeah. and, and that community being able to understand like, oh, geez, I don't feel so alone. It's such yeah. a... This is not an unusual thing in right. the world. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, TV and, and other society type things that continued to push the envelope uh, to where we felt more comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. with that in society. So, um, so I mean, it definitely, you know, it, it, I hate talking about it like this bastarded thing because it, it has its benefits and it certainly has its negatives i mean we haven't even touched it we haven't really touched <laughs> on music but i mean obviously even things like you know i mean people are going to start fighting wars with you know online less, yeah you know? so it's just so strange Dude, to think you start thinking about that that's a rabbit ends, hole that gets scary right, very right? quickly man right so it's just like it's so it's so interesting how something so simple you know um can can have such a crazy effect you know yeah and, and it's just ripples everywhere but uh yeah, back to the DJ and thing though. But yeah, it's a very it's it's an exciting thing, and I'm I'm looking forward to like once the weather gets nicer back home. Yeah, we've got some really cool opportunities to um, do some like more outdoor stuff, and I think that kind of vibe is just going to lend itself to what we're doing so sure. much more. People are out and about a lot more during those months too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you're lucky you you came today because yesterday was six two degrees it was cold man oh i was around yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah. freezing i was in lead yesterday so <laughs> i was supposed to have someone come by last night and chat with and um the roads are just too icy. oh yeah it, it was, was like, terrible nah, we, can, we can talk anytime you know so yep um but uh uh so i didn't realize about this you uh, this about you i guess when i first wanted to chat with you but then i obviously I looked in like hey what, what are we going to talk about so i started looking some stuff up um you were in nodes. Uh, yep. That's on. So that's kind of unbelievable, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, 
when I was uh, when I was going to Grace, when I was kind of in that world and everything like that, uh, that was one of my go-to bands. <laughs> like, because I was huge into, into metal. Yep. That's all I listened to. You know, Nodes, uh, Ludacris, which became Norma Jean. Yep. Um, the lighter side of music I would listen to would be Blindside and Project 86. That right, was, right. That was the soft, yeah. right, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. No, um, yeah, I hear it. So that's, uh, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but, yep. Um, uh, what was that like, man? Like just, uh, and you, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want. I don't know oh, if no, it's, it's like. Oh, no, it's fine. A, no, no, okay. I just did a reunion concert with them last May. No I kidding. Did, I did four songs. Yeah, there's footage on YouTube. Right, you can check it out. out. Yeah. I didn't think I had it in me, but <laughs> adrenaline is a funny now, drug. Uh, you were, were you the singer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, so you, you, you can get. You can get a good voice going on you then when you want. I guess. Uh, you know, I couldn't do it for you right now, but when I got up there and there's like 500 people, like these people chanting, Thomas, Thomas, I'm like, okay, well, I haven't done this for, yeah. Uh, you know, it was like I hadn't, hadn't done it for probably like 12, 14 years, so it was scary, but um, sure. I went up there and did it. Yeah, it was four, four, 13 years, so I got up Jeez. there and did it, and yeah, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> I grew up in, in Madison, South Dakota, so a town of about 6,000 people, mm-hmm. and um, I started going to like punk rock shows and stuff when I was freshman, sophomore in high school, and driving up to Sioux Falls to go to like matinee shows at the Pomp Room and things like that, yeah. a lot of punk and ska and stuff like that. Then later on in, in um, school, I, yeah, I got into that kind of stuff through like going to like christian music festivals i suppose um and like buying like samplers from like tooth and nail you know tooth and nail <laughs> and like oh geez all of a sudden you know like that's how i got into like taking Zale me back like stuff. 15 years yep. right now yep. dude jeez yeah, so like zale was like this one Zale. band where yep. for years like i'd hear that's you know like what i would call you know more extreme uh, music just for a big term that i think would label lots of different kind of music mm-hmm. uh, for people who aren't really familiar. Like uh, they were like one of those bands where I'd hear them, and a lot of time I'd hear bands, and I just was like, God, I can't. This is just noise, yeah. you know. But I heard them, and I was like, Oh, these guys actually write melodies and songs within these like confines of this sound, and that eventually just. Then I got more into just like the brutality of some of yeah. it, and like it. It just you know it was like I got into it, and it. But I only could listen to so many bands because, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I mean, just so much of metal for me became kind of a masturbation thing. It was just like, it's wanky. It's like technical for the sake of just, you know, being technical, things like that. That just bores me, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to listen to something for the emotional aspect more than the, like, technical, you know. It's like, uh, you know, I don't, you know, and I, I do different art. I feel different ways about it. I'm like with, you know, with like visual art, it can be a little different sometimes for me. I, I can have a, I can have an appreciation for something very technical, but I can also have appreciation for something sure. strictly on the way it makes me feel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an interesting experience. I mean, I moved to Sioux Falls, and and when I moved to go to school uh, up up in Sioux Falls, uh, freshman year of college, my only year of college really. Um, I pretty much had a band started before I even moved there mm-hmm. with some people and like the drummer lived on my floor of 
Of like school. all drummers do. You know, I mean, like, let's be honest. Just well, it was just crazy. It was just like, I mean, I, I met him because somebody on campus was like, oh, man, there's this guy that plays, I forget what horn he played, but every once in a while he'll get on the drums just to kick it. And, man, he's a really good drummer. You should check him out. He loves Metallica. We're like, well, okay, well, it's not really what we're doing, but we can work with that, you know? And, like, we had a come and go of bass players for years but i mean yeah it was interesting just to like i learned so much and i mean it was weird because within 18 months of forming that band we had uh you know a record deal and we were touring up you know upwards of like six months out of the year um Jeez. at a time and it wasn't glamorous and like i don't have a lot of i mean a lot of the great stories i have about it are more like crazy stuff that happened or yeah. like unfortunate things that happened then i have more of that than i have like the triumph of a tour you know well and you were pretty young i'm guessing this was mm -hmm. quite a while ago yeah so. i mean I, I mean we started touring when i was 20 years old yeah so um i can't imagine going on tour six months out of the year when you're when you're that young leads to anything good <laughs> no and, and, no and it's not only that i mean you just I mean, you're just sleeping on people's floors, like, you know, every night, and there's nothing remotely, like, I mean, you never have any privacy, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, the closest you get to privacy is taking a shit. Jeez. I mean, you know? So, like, um, you know, I, I always tell people, they're like, oh, that must have been great. And I'm like, well, if sitting in a van with a bunch of people who, when you go home, you live with, too, you know, because you got to split the cost of the rent. Right. If sitting in a van with people who you think are your friends and at times you just the smell of their deodorant makes you want to punch them in the back of the head. Yeah. And like people like laugh and I'm like, no, like you don't understand until you're actually there. Like sure. you'll be in the van with somebody and you'll just stare at the back of their head and smell. And it's just like, I don't like that. I think I'm going to punch that guy in the back of the head. Like, and it's a logical thought at that time. Like you actually put credence into what is going through your head. Yeah. Because it's it's maddening experience, you know. Jeez. But um I eventually just fell out of love with the um masculinity aspect. Like such a like, like I love masculinity, don't get me wrong, I'm all about Waylon Jennings, but there has to be uh you know, the, there has to be two sides of the coin. You can only be masculine if you're willing to be tender at the same time. That's well, there's a balance mean. to everything. Exactly. Um So I just saw way too much bullshit and a lot of stuff that to me like it made me think of like, like neo Nazism for Christ's sake. I no mean, kidding. I, oh yeah, I'd be down like even like in Omaha. I was in Lincoln one time. That was kind of the beginning of the end for me. We finished a tour, and we were on our way home, and we hit Lincoln on the way home because there was a Headbangers Ball tour that year. Hatebreed. It was Hatebreed, Terror, Madball, and Hate Eternal were the bill. Mm -hmm. And like I was like, oh man, I got to see Hatebreed and Terror together. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? And it, so we went to this show, and all these Omaha kids were there. And I mean, I knew a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, this thing was sponsored by Hot Topic. What and all year this. was this? Oh, this would have been like oh three or four. I might have been at that show. So it was, it, yeah, I don't. I think it was at Knickerbockers. I think like I was I there. Know. But God, I just I watched to... these like kids who people would have called like mallcore kids at the time or something yeah. like hot topic kids. I right? forgot about mallcore. Yeah, yeah. So hot to <laughs> so hot topic is like sponsoring this tour, you know, which is kind yeah. of strange, but it is what it is. And then but I'm watching these kids who are there who are clearly like 
there because it's something like edgy and extreme in their community. And I mean, they, they're wearing the like weird bondage pants and yeah. all the like hot topic y things. They're literally in the crowd and there's literally like hardcore kids just like punching them in the back of the head and like just constantly committing like acts of like little jabs of violence towards these kids. And it made me sick to my stomach because hmm. I was like, you're doing this because they're not like you. They're not conforming yeah. to the trends that you supposedly stand up for bucking against. Yet the minute they're not just like you, you like try to make them feel unwelcome. I'm like, this is some racist ass shit. Yeah. You know, like what? I mean, it's not racist because it's not based around race, but I mean, it's the same thing. And I'm like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Like, I walked away from it disgusted. I was like, I mean, if this is, I mean, this is like stupid. I mean, it was worse than gang shit. This was just. This is just hedonistic. It was exactly what people who th hear that kind of music and think, man, those are some angry people. Yeah, you are the stereotype that 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 you're perpetuating that stereotype yeah. with that behavior. Now, Neanderthal, because Nodes was marketed. Maybe, maybe it was just the market, or maybe it's what it, what it was. But it was Christian metal, right? Well, I mean, we were on a Christian label, Christian and, and label. we had Christian themes, and a lot okay. of sp specifically, I mean, we were definitely started out as an evangelical type band. But you mm -hmm. find you you, you realize I mean, really quickly that even the freaking even the Christians don't want to he hear the evangelical stuff all right. the time. Well, because the thing that I was, I guess, was always was always pushed and told to me at the time when I was really into all that music was, you know, they're 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 going to the shows like you were just describing mm -hmm. to be the the light and the darkness, you know, and and play the songs that are gonna get people thinking, get people right. maybe. Changing. That's I mean I think that was just yeah yeah and that's the thing I mean like the Christian like the Christian hardcore industry always wanted out of the church because we never felt accepted by the church in the first place. M so, very few people do these right, days, but yeah. well right, but like <laughs> in those days it wasn't even, even yeah, close to I what remember, it's like yeah. now. You know, like now it's much more accepting of of these things that are again seen as social norms now because you actually have more than your just little tiny right. building you know yep um so yeah it was it was weird watching all that stuff happen i just i fell out of love with it very quickly um and i mean i wasn't i mean part of it too was a lot of the anger that i'd probably held over the years and i know where it stemmed from early on in life you know the stuff that made me have certain feelings, made me feel a little more outcast, things like that. Like a lot of that stuff, I was starting to grow up and grow the hell out of it and, and sure. recognize that I was in control. And, and I was, in the end, it was up to me to be the deciding factor of how my life was going to go and what my life was going to be about. So, and yeah, and I mean, eventually too, I totally fell out of love with that. And I felt like the, the faith, the idealist aspect of it, um, or the ideology aspect mm -hmm. of it, all of that changed for me too. So I, I had a huge life change at about 24. Yeah. And yeah. And that's when I became much more, I always thought I was a very open-minded person. And that was the unfortunate thing is like faith made me a like closed-minded person for a long time because I thought, you know, I lived my life based on something that I thought was an absolute truth. Mm -hmm. Now that's not how you should live your life when you're into something like that. You should live based on faith you know and i still mm -hmm. have no problem with people who have faith because faith and truth are two very different things um and i i don't fault anybody for for the, the desire to have faith or the need for faith um i don't i didn't need it you know and once i put it away you know my life became a lot less complicated sure <laughs> you know it's funny how it works the opposite way for other people dude uh 
so, uh, you know, obviously I come from a very similar background in a lot of those when it comes to the aspects of faith. And I grew up Baptist and went, I was a Baptist head, head pastor for three years at a church in Iowa. And, uh, the, the moment where I kind of realized I was going down the same, same boat where it was, uh, it's, it's the absolute truth. And all my job is just to prove it. Yep. You right. know, when I finally went, well, this is insane. Yep. Yep. Um, it, I went through a, a, a period of my life where I was just, it was almost, I don't know if anger is the right word, but just disappointment. Like, <laughs> I can't believe I've been lied to. You felt duped. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know. And it's not so much like, because, you know, like my, my parents and I are open and we talk all the time. My parents were very, very great in, in keeping me balanced in learning all of these things. I, you know, they grew up in the church and they, they grew up in a insanely fundamental church. My mom went to college thinking she could get pregnant by holding a guy's hand. Oh, sure, sure. That's yeah. how tight wound this church yep. was. Yep. Um, <laughs> so they came from that and they said, we're, we're not doing that with our kids at all. Right, right, um, right. You know, but th- they held on to a lot of things. And so I, you see the progression as generations go. And like for me, it was just, um, yeah, I felt like I'd been duped, but not so much in the sense that it was, hey, all of this stuff is is bullshit. It's the way this has been shown and taught to me, that's what's bullshit. Yeah. Like, yeah. There, like there's there's something about this that there's there's more to it than what is being presented to me because what's presented to me is a cookie cutter, easy to control box. Here you go. This is what you believe now. Versus, wait a second, that yep. doesn't that doesn't work. Yep. Um, yep. So I went through a I went through a pretty big period where I was just just I, I don't know if like I said I don't know if anger is the word because I never really felt angry. I just felt betrayed. There's the word I'm looking yep. for. Just betrayed. But yeah, and I see I came from a different. I came. I'm one of these rare occurrences where. I mean, I was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. so very hands-off, very, like, not personally spiritual, more just ritual, right, you know? Right, right. It works really good for people who want to present that as being part of their, you know, who they are. Yeah. But they don't really have to do much to, mm-hmm. you know, they just show up. Um, so when I came to something, like, that was much more hands-on, it was by my choice. It was, like, me wanting or feeling the need for something, Um I just chalk it up to being young and always searching for the answers. I was my mind was always racing. I always thought yeah. about, thought about death from an early age, like just consumed by like this. You know, I just think I felt like I probably needed something, and I know I did at the time. Um, and it worked for a while, you know. And, and but it is funny how like it's kind of presented to you in a certain way, and it was funny how when you it wasn't even like you were any. It's so funny how. You weren't even like doing anything that was considered not Christian, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the way they packaged it. And it was so funny how like, eh, like I, you know, I remember one time going home and I had a couple tattoos or something like that and like probably some shit in my face, some piercing or some shit. And this mentor of mine had, you know, he... He warned me about that stuff, you know, yeah. because, you know, he's like, you know, I mean, I don't think it's bad. I just want you to recognize what people are going to think, you know, and like things like that's, that. And, that's always the argument. And it's so funny. <laughs> and it's just like, and I'm like, well, I mean, when you say things like that, you're pretty much like canceling out. I mean, you're, 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 you're just going back to this idea of how it's packaged, you know? So, yeah. 
so it was a it was a it was a weird thing i mean falling out of all that stuff but i mean i'm i'm so thankful that i did and like you know like i said i'm not one of those people who like i don't harbor anger towards people because i think you know the people who were there during my like faith type journey i mean those people i think they all had good intentions mm-hmm. you know um i think that they you know i mean i don't want to get into all the shit but yeah, yeah i mean in the end it's just like i think I mean, I think some people need something like that and some people don't, you know? And, you know, I think, um, you know, I personally think that a lot of, you know, religious type stuff is kind of, was kind of constructed more or less personally, I think, to keep people in in line, to to, to scare people into living a certain way. (laughs) Like they they tell you, you know, pursue, pursue truth, you know, seek the truth, you know, and everything like that. And then the more you do, the more you you see the, the holes mm-hmm. and then they're like, whoa, 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 stop, stop. You know, you're going too far. You need to stay in this sweet spot yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you're good, you know? Because yep. if you learn too much, all of a sudden uh, you're, you're totally not going to buy the stuff we're selling you on Sunday morning anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, which is very uh, just, uh, I don't know. It was like we were watching Godless recently, you know, on Great Netflix. show. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there watching this stuff with my girlfriend and she continuously like keeps saying, oh, if I was there, if I was, if that was me, I would. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you wouldn't. And she's just like, oh no, I'd kick that guy in the nuts. I'm like, no, you wouldn't, because he'd shoot you in the face, and he wouldn't even think twice about doing it. Yeah. She's like, really? People like you think people really had that little lack of uh, respect for life? I'm like, oh no. I'm like, I know they did. Yeah. Like literally in those, I was like trying to tell her, you know, like I mean, this is the West, man. It was survival. It was like dog eat dog. Like if. If you were hungry and the person next to you had a sandwich and you didn't have a sandwich and you didn't have a means to get a sandwich, you'd put the gun to their head to get that sandwich. And yeah. you wouldn't even think twice about it. It was survival. And so, you know, it's it's funny, like, um, you know, and I remember saying to her that night, I said, you know, the only thing between, <laughs> the only thing keeping some of these people from doing something like that was... This, salvation this idea <laughs> this idea of an atonement and a judgment and exactly and uh you know this this eternal fear right of, right and, 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 and it's when it's something that's that you know it's 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 just like it's presented as being above and a deity and like yeah. this like thing that we can't even and comprehend and, yeah. you know it's like well, that's really easy to like, kind of, you know, like scare people. The unknown is scary, right? Well, so. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about the unknown, man, is is you can you can shape it however you want, you know. Right. Nobody knows. So right. here's what I'm going to tell you. It is. I don't know. I've been I've been reading a lot of um, Peter Rollins and a few like just philosophers and stuff like that lately, and it's just I'm going through this course again this year. It's called Atheism for Lent, and so you study these atheistic teachers, and the whole point of it is to strip away some of your dogmatic. Oh, sure. ideologies sure and it's it i did it last year and it, it completely revolutionized how i see everything it's like this is un unreal um and so but it it feels good to be out of it uh i think you know how when you when you leave something and all of a sudden you're okay well now what you know, and for a long time, I feel like i've been trying to find something to land mm, maybe yep. i never will yep but um it's maybe that's the point is you're not supposed to you know you yeah. just it's it's and that's okay you just you know you 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 do you do what you can you do what you can that's good and you hope that when you when you die that you made things better with your life 
being here, you know, maybe that's all we can hope for. And if that's the case, awesome. You know, yeah. I mean, even that, I mean, even that really to me uh, is, is optimistic. You know I mean? I, I personally don't, I mean, that was a big thing for me was the understanding that like, man, I ain't even a grain of sand on the beach when it comes down to it, man, like not even close. So I don't, you know, the idea that, that we all think that we're, that we, we deserve or that, that like salvation is necessary. Like, and it's, it's interesting talking to different people about that stuff. Like if I talk to my mom about it, you know, she thinks I'm crazy because I don't have the need for like if, if I, yeah. you know, I mean, it would be a bummer if I died tomorrow, but if I did, I mean, burn my ass up and get on with it, man. Get yeah. on with life, man. Like I'd love to be remembered as the person who I am. Uh, hopefully I've, you know, been good to people. I know I have tried mm-hmm. and, but I don't, I don't feel I need some reward. You know, I told her the yeah. other day, I was like, I, crowns. I just joked. <laughs> I was like, geez, eternal life. Pfft, sounds like a drag. <laughs> and she like started like laughing and I'm like, no, like I'm serious. Like, like that does not sound fun to me. Like, like, and she's like, what? And I'm like, like, like life that never ends. Like, like, I mean, in what form? Like when I'm, will I be like five? Will I be 82? Like, will I go up there all my elements? Like the whole thing is just crazy to me. Oh, well it is whatever you want. This yeah. Look, at this point, you know, we're all just pretending it is whatever the well, fuck that's, we want it to be. That's just, that's just the, you know, that's the dream of utopia. You know, yep. everyone has that idea. And the the second you get it, it's no longer utopia. You know, I had someone talk to me or I heard and they were talking about, you know, it's like life is a party. And when when you die, you 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 realize that, oh, the party's going to go on without me. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm dead. But the party is still going because life is still going. Right. So now imagine eternal life as hey life's a party and you never get to leave yeah yeah like, right all of a sudden that party doesn't sound so fun like, yeah right oh, crap i i'm stuck in this thing yep you know and i think of every party i've been to i'm always glad there was an ending yep. to the party yep. you know yep. like well, i just think as human beings in the end we we want to feel like there's a reason behind yeah. it all and i think unfortunately some people are so caught up and so, you know, invested in that, that they don't ever truly actually do it. Yeah. And, and then, and I've seen that I've got a friend who, I mean, the, he, he definitely, uh, you know, I mean, he, he had the, you know, uh, pastor parents and all this stuff. And yeah. Like, you know, and I, a lot of my friends are PKs. A lot of them are like have missionaries for parents. It's crazy how many of them, and I still, I mean, these are still some of my best friends of the day, and we feel about the same yeah. on all this. Yeah, it, It's funny going out in the world and meeting how many people were actually involved in that kind of Christian music community of that era, like late 90s into the mid, mm-hmm. early 2000s. It's funny how many of those people are now like making <laughs> different kinds of music, and, and, right. and some of them very successfully. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. It, it's, just so, it's just so interesting for me to, to, to look at it look at that life now because it seems so far away yeah it's it which uh which is kind of because you know when i listen to your album your your and this is the debut release of burlap wolf king right like you this had is actually my third record is, is it the third yeah I, I put out put out a full-length album in 2009 called the middle okay and that was much more of a it was a pretty somber record um i recorded it with a band from sioux falls called the smoke Mirrors band they were going through some like transitions and uh they knew i was wanting to record some of my songs so they 
came in and backed me and looking back on it, we should have called it Burlet Wolf King with the Smoke and Mirrors band because there's so much of them in the music. Sure. As much as they're, you know, I was still trying to figure out my sound and, and I, you know, I was, I still don't think of myself as much of a competent musician, but like I certainly was like just figuring things out and writing and all this stuff. And it actually turned out all right. And it got, it got me out there. Um, it got people believing what I was doing locally. Um, it, you know, even garnered like a little attention, like the Boston Globe in two thousand nine. You know, they, mm -hmm. they always for a while they were doing this thing. At the time, it was kind of like sponsored by MySpace. I think you know, like uh, MySpace so was still hanging on, yeah, at hanging on at the time. It was still the, the <laughs> format, you know. Yeah, uh, and it was funny because it was like every year they do like a, you know fifty bands, fifty states. You know, mm -hmm. you know the best the best band or the most promising act. Right. From each state. Yeah. I've never made that list, but <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. 2009, I, I, yeah, I got on that list. So it was like That's cool, from the man. Boston Globe or whatever. And, and uh, you know, they like singled out one of my songs. And uh, I was happy because the song they singled out was like a song where I felt when I finished it was, um, that was me. Like, okay, I kind of turned a page there. Like, I feel like I'm getting away from some of the cliche and trying to like, pat, you know, to, to kind of, find my own path you know and which i still continue to do um but then i put on an ep in 20 uh, 2013 and then yeah last year followed it up and then in the mix of all that too i had a couple other bands pask and quaker sure. city nighthawks and all this stuff so like at times my concentration was much more on these like rock bands that i was doing um but then i just after doing the last one i just realized like okay, I feel strongly enough about my songwriting at this point and as a performer, and I kind of, there always has to be a leader in a band anyway, mm -hmm. so why not just be the band leader, be the band, and, 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 and not let it, you know, like be a full-on democracy, but it's your project, so like, you know, you get to <laughs> do what you want to do. Sure. And so... With this latest release, that's where I was. Was I was able to build this band of great musicians. You know, some of them I've played with for a long time. Some of them, this is the first time I've gotten to work with them. Mm -hmm. And you know, and so this band that I continue to play with right now, very versatile, can play several different genres of music, and um, they're on board because they respect what I'm doing enough, and I respect them both by you know, getting them to be able to play some cool gigs. Uh, I pay them well, you know, like, it, you know, it's it's a really nice scenario. So, yeah, this has been the first record where I've had that. And, you know, moving forward, it's, it's fun because I know that, you know, once I eventually get these this new batch of songs I'm working on done, um, I'm just trying to get the lyrics done. And like always, I always have all the songs ready. The melodies are there. I just can't get the damn lyrics finished huh. um, because... I just feel like you, you know, you got to have a little something to say, and sometimes I don't know what the hell I want to say. You know? Yeah. And lately, it's been hard because it's like, God, what is there to be said that isn't already said? And you're always trying to find that own your own voice, and you know, I, I don't know what you know, I don't I don't know where I'm going with it yet. So that's been the hmm. real big challenge. Um, sometimes I like to try to dumb down my things a little more lyrically, and I feel like maybe that's the way I should go. And then I start writing, and I think I'm. Jeff freaking Tweedy, you know, like I'm <laughs> constantly writing these much more like poetic, much more metaphoric, yeah. more, more visual bits, you know, um, 
so it's very, you know, and I can do that at times, you know, so like I like to do both, you know. Um, yeah. Um, you know, so it's been one of those things that sometimes people chalk up, they're like, you're too varied. You, you, you have your toe in too many different genres and, and you know, it, it just doesn't feel cohesive. And I'm like, fucking boring. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's great that people can do that. I, I mean, if I wanted to, I'm sure I could sit down and write like, a country record, a rock record, a folk record, like what, fucking boring. Like, I want to make a record that has all those things. Yeah, well, it, it it comes down to, I mean, people. I think it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. People know what they expect to hear when they hear when they hear music. Right. This is this is what a, a country album is supposed to sound like, or a rock album is supposed to sound like. Right. Blah 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 blah. But then you get that um, kind of you know, indie craft music that's just coming from a person. Well, a person is not just one thing, you know. They are, like we've been talking about now, we're, you're several different things, through, one, throughout the course of your life, right. and even through the, throughout the course of a day. Right. You know, I mean, oh, you yeah. change so much, so why would why would you expect anything different from a, a, a music, whether it's music or painting or right. poetry? Right out of a person of course it's going to be different Walt Whitman one of my favorite poets mm -hmm. like none of his his he has a he has a central writing style right but like no you get a whole different feel from the guy with depending on which poem you go it into right, right. and when I was listening to Bitter Honey every time I listen to it like I can definitely tell uh, where I'm at in the album based on the song like this is not the same song I was listening to just a second ago a whole yep. different yep you know and I, I don't know I I dig that in albums. I feel like um, my, one of my favorite style of albums I listen to is concept albums, where it's sure. a story from the beginning to the end, because uh, you can kind of do anything with it. Yeah, it's you know? yeah, and it's it's lyrically it's it's very binding, and I've tried to do it, you know. Yeah, and it I I applaud those that can pull it off, man. I really do. It's such a commitment of time and your and your songs and all this to be in this one thing like i i'm i i really took my hat to people who were able to to make that work yeah yeah um so with uh with bitter honey um the uh i don't know i feel like listen when when i listen to it like i can feel just different aspects of kind of i don't know if it's what you were going through or or what the song's about maybe is a better way to put it um, just based on uh, one the the feel of it, two the lyrics. The lyrics are amazing. I don't I don't know if anyone's told, they probably have, but um, <laughs> I mean they're definitely well put together. Um, you can definitely see a lot of the previous versions of Thomas and and some of the some of the words sure. like oh this is coming out of a of a past experience of his you know that he is now putting into this form and it's it's interesting. I don't know maybe I'm reading into it, but the the title track. Um, I feel a lot of um, the religious background in those lyrics, and maybe that's not where it was. Interesting, yeah. But like, I read it and I'm like, oh man, oh, I, well, I, I printed it out because I didn't want to forget um, um, the ever-present mantra on the tip of my tongue. Like, I just think of all the times like I was made to repeat prayers that oh, right. really didn't mean anything right. to me, but you know, you have to repeat them, and so you, you know them; they're always there. Yep. Even though, bleh, you know, and and, uh, and so maybe that's where you're at. But but that's the beautiful thing about a song is it could have meant something completely right, different that's for what you I when love you read it. it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. for me, I read yep. it, and that was, I mean, for the first time, I think um, in a while, I was looking at a song that felt like 
something I could, for lack of better words, pray and be completely honest. So that, I, I don't know. That's, that was cool. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and that's, that's the goal is like, you want to write something that's like, to me, there's that middle ground. Like you can be super vague mm-hmm. or you can just be like, my cat is black. <laughs> the day is sunny. You know, like right. how fucking boring. Or, you know, we could be saying it on this completely vague thing and, like, it's just a bunch of words, really, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fun to get right in the middle where somebody, where it's like, it means something to you, which I think is important. And then, but it also is open enough to interpretation for the listener to put themselves in it. And I think that's a sweet spot, um, lyrically, that I'm trying to find, Mm -hmm. you know. And... uh, but yeah, I mean, lyrics for me is something I pride myself on because it takes me a while to get them. I'm not like a prolific writer by any stretch. And I'll edit myself several times to get to, to it because, you know, if I'm going to play these songs over and over and over, I don't want to cringe. You know, right. I still do. You know, yeah, there's still times yeah, yeah. where I cringe at lines. I'm like, everyone's their own worst. You know, man. Yeah. exactly. And so. I feel like by the time I get to somewhere where I'm like, okay, I'm if I'm satisfied with this, it's going to be good enough, you know? And sure. like, that's where I try to, you know, lyrically speaking, that's where I'm coming from. And the nice thing about lyrics too is like, you know, I think a lot of people think that, well, he's always writing about himself. And that's not always true. I mean, there's songs that I've written and I'm, it's a character, it's not me. Sure. But more, than, more often than not, I am writing from my own perspective. Sure. But something like, a song like, something you can afford to leave behind. I mean, that wasn't me in the song, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to write a blues lyric to a, you know, like a soul R&B ballad, and, yeah. and that's what I did. And, and yeah. I mean, it it was a melancholy song. It sounded like a song that was perfect for um, for a band to, to or, you know, for, for, it was a perfect song for me to write a lyric about, like, some sad bastard shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like, I mean... Performance-wise, when we play that song, that's like the crowd favorite. Like as a full sure. band, you know, I can't do it. I mean, I, I've played it acoustic, and I'll do it every once in a while. But I, I've gotten away from doing it again because yeah. it's just, it doesn't, it just doesn't quite get to where it should be, you know, yeah. with the band. But you know, I mean, is that my most proud lyric? Uh, that song? No, you know, it's my most proud performance. You know, mm-hmm. like my. Lyrics I'm most proud of probably something like "Gray in My Beard," uh, yeah. particularly the last, the last verse of "Gray in My Beard" is like my favorite lyric I ever wrote. Um, yeah, but there's lots of lyrics um, throughout the, the the album that there's like little pieces that I'm you know most proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of the time they are just little hidden things in there that if a person lends themselves to it, they're gonna understand you know a little more. You know, like if I say you know like. Um, in yellow belly body blues, like I'm t- this prote- uh, antagonist in the in the song, you know, uh, I'm clearly like hinting at this person, like shooting, you know, like shooting me in the back or you know whatever, and yeah. I, and I name two assassins who, who assailants who shot their victims in the back, you know, yeah, it just goes by most people. They don't, but but if they think and they see it in the context of the whole song and they read the lyrics, they're gonna be yeah. like, oh, that's witty, that's clever, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, like Gray in My Beard was a favorite because the first three lyric uh, verses are all pictures of one morning in downtown Sioux Falls that I saw. One was a recurring thing, and that's why I that's how I started writing the song, seeing these 
seeing these businessmen running during their lunch hour every day. Like they would take the time to change clothes in the middle, you know, in the summer. Yeah. And they'd run in a pack. And then I was like, what do these guys actually fucking do that they can use their lunch break to go running? Like, right. Like these are the kind of people that get paid for fucking 40 hours a week uh, of work and do like two. Yeah. The rest of it's luncheons and like running with your, fuck you. Like it, it just made me angry, you know. <laughs> but, the, the mad men of Sioux Falls. Yeah, yeah, it was just so ridiculous, you know. And so I just thought it was just this weird thing. So I was like, so I started writing a song about that and then. The second verse of that one is about myself, and it's like my acknowledging of probably getting a little bit older at the time and being, um, you know, a little more prone to just like staying in and being a little bit more of that comfortable lifestyle or whatever. And uh, when you're like that, it's funny because the people you, you see these kind of movers and shakers sometimes as people who like I think they think that they have it more figured out than they do, you know. And, yeah. And uh, and so I kind of take a little jab in that and. The third verse, I was taking a bike ride that morning and I saw a gentleman, uh, a transient gentleman down by the by the uh, Sioux River there and and uh, I woke him up or something. He wasn't real thrilled about it and was hollering at me and and uh, and then, then the last verse has nothing to do with the rest of the, the song, nothing. And that's what I love about it. It's just like all of a sudden this last verse comes in and it's all these little tiny little pictures, and then this last verse is like this big, heavy thing, you know? From, yeah. From Palestine to Birmingham, North Korea to Vietnam, <laughs> star-bellied sneeches, green eggs, and ham, we'll all be fine by the morning. Oh, man. So, well, and... My theology mostly comes from John Lennon and Dr. Seuss, so... Dude, that's... <laughs> you know? The best theology comes from John Lennon and Dr. Seuss. Yeah, so it's like... <laughs> I, I was able to put that into a, like this quick witty lyric and mm -hmm. it seems like oh this has nothing to do with the rest of the song but I think in the end it does I mean uh, what I'm I guess what I'm trying to you just kind of wrap the whole picture up I mean at one point I'm talking about myself one point it's a transient another point it's like some well off in the end what I'm pointing out is no matter where you're from what what you're doing what your life is we're all you know yeah we are all the same. We're it all is. just living this life, trying to figure it out, trying to do it the best we can. Um, just, I mean, when it all comes down to it, we're all human. Yeah, you know? and that's what I'm trying to do with that. And well, it's a great picture that you painted in those in those words. Like it's it's definitely it definitely gives that feel. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think so. Um, you know, you said you you get the melodies first, and then lyrics come later is that just because it takes you so long to get the lyrics i think so or, i'm not the kind of guy that like sits down and like like will you get a phrase in your and head then, and like oh i gotta write a song around that phrase at sometimes, all sometimes okay sometimes i mean generally what i do is i i pl i'm just playing around and i mm -hmm. start finding i like the way these two chords come together and i like when i play it at this tempo and then i'll move the you know when i start feeling like i found something i'll mm -hmm. start moving the capo around a little bit because like i can't play a thousand chords like some of these dudes yeah so i'll just mess around with the capo so i'm doing it all off a of year i don't know any theory i don't have training i don't you know i didn't take guitar lessons or anything i don't even watch youtube videos to like learn how to be a better guitar player i don't care i want to mm -hmm. be a good songwriter you know sure and uh i play with good people so that they that's what their focus is. That's their focus is on the music, you know. More, uh, I'm trying to write the song, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I get to where I feel like okay, I've got a verse and a chorus here, and I might figure out a bridge or something, you know. And then I'll record it, 
Mm-hmm. And then I'll just like, usually I have anywhere from like 10 to 20 of these things on my digital recorder, just like handheld little thing. Keep it away from your phone. Don't put it. Here's my advice, songwriters. Don't record your song ideas on your phone. If you do it, you're constantly distracted because that phone is constantly shooting notifications at you when you should be writing songs. So there's my tip for the day. Uh, Noted. <laughs> um, but I have a little digital recorder and I'll sit at times and I'll just listen to it. Mm-hmm. And I'll just start coming up with melody. So then, you know, all of a sudden I'm singing melody in my head like a crazy person. Well, when you do that, you're almost starting to get consonants, uh, you know. So I, I kind of do it in a backwards way. I, I restrict myself to a certain amount of consonants. But, you know, you can play with that and, and make yeah. it interesting. And But that's, that's how I write. And, yeah, I mean, very rarely do I sit down, start playing something, figure it all out and finish the thing in one day like headlights that was one that i did but mm-hmm. that's a very simple song and and uh it's pretty out there lyrically too so it's like um every once in a while i can do it but i feel like my best material is something i've definitely slaved over more than that sure yeah hmm can i take a quick break yeah gotta, we can gotta go to the bathroom yeah me too actually so <laughs> like, let's do that gotta gotta do the bathroom thing well, it was pretty late, and I was like, "I was like, yeah, I saw you come in real quick, probably wondering where the fuck I went." And she was like, "Yeah, I, was like, I couldn't figure out where you'd gone, but I figured you probably went inside." And I was like, "Yeah, I just kind of ghosted because I found out years ago, like when you're out on the road, if you don't, um, if you don't, when your when your body and your everything is telling you like, all right, enough, mm-hmm. yeah, just listen, yeah, because if you don't, you end up two nights into a run." And you're so exhausted that you can't even, like, I mean, you're, you're worthless the last two days. Unless when you start doing the diet pills to keep yourself rolling. Yeah, yeah. Kind of cash yeah, and yeah, yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> uppers it, and downers. and <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was wild. So last night I ended up, yeah, like, God, last night was weird. I just ended up, like, sleeping in a, um, I sl- uh, had to, uh, I slept last night on the uh, uh, bottom bunk of a bunk bed, you know, in a kid's room. And it was mm-hmm. so uncomfortable. I barely fit. Like I had to sleep kitty wampus just to fit on the thing, and mm. I, it was cold in the room, and I was in a like a like a sleeping bag that clearly wasn't made for somebody like small, that's <laughs> oh, like no. almost six foot, and and it was cold last it, night. It was man. cold, so I was pretty chilly, but I like I just I it wasn't the heat. I just couldn't get comfortable, and it was funny because I mean I slept, you know, I'd had a few beer, quite a few beers, and a bunch of tequila, so I initially went to bed easily. Mm-hmm. It was the um, it was the wake up at four in the morning and like laying there in this like foreign area. And like, you know, I was like, oh, son of a bitch. Because I, you know, I was pretty, I've been difficult to myself. I've been hard on myself this little run. I've been beating myself up a little bit, yeah. you know, just because it's not worked out the way I wanted it to. So I was like, God, I was so tempted this morning to just get up at f- like when I couldn't get back to sleep. Yeah. I was so tempted to just get up, get in my car, and drive the fuck back home, and just be like, blow it off. You got, you know, I almost. I, and, and it's weird because the night before, I woke up in the morning, I felt the same damn way. I was like, oh, well, I got no. two nights left. Maybe I should just blow it. No, just push through, brother. Just push through. Yeah. So, and I'm glad I did because I'd hate myself for for for. Um, I would have hated myself for for doing that, like going yeah. home and and later on, I don't, it would have been a temporary fix. Mm-hmm. 
but the moment I got home, I would have started to feel the guilt train right, right. away. Like, well, you you know, you blew that gig. You're not going to get that gig again. Or like, you know, just like more than anything, I'd feel bad that I was I didn't see it through. You know, I'd, yeah. I'd see it as I'd, I'd view it as a moment of weakness. I don't want to do that. Well, and I don't know. I think you picked a good ending. Crow Peak is. It's a solid place to play. That's what I everybody mean, keeps telling me. Have you ever have I mean, you ever played there yet? I've never played there. Okay. I mean, I've been out there. I've never yeah. seen music there or anything. But like, yeah, that's one nice thing is that everybody keeps saying like, uh, you know, it's you know, it, it's that's going to be your favorite gig of the yeah. of the run. So they're great people out there. They make great beer. Obviously, that the, the the regulars and the crowd that's there are just solid people. Yep. Um, the the biggest downfall is just it's such a high ceiling and cement floors oh right so like the sound is sound gets rough yeah it's a little boomy just boomy just echoey and everything so that's that's the only downside the summertime is awesome because you play outside right on that on that truck they got out there which is really cool right Um, yeah that's yeah i mean i'm just excited to get out here with the band because yeah yeah because the stuff that we'll be playing with the band will be much more of a height there'll be more heightened awareness about it it's like a big event it'll be pushed more yeah it's not just like well this guy's gonna play music for three hours here you know right you kind of do it maybe get yourself an opener so that you're not because they usually try to book for two to three hours solid yep. um you yep. don't think that but um they got it i feel like that's what i should that's what i should do do a do a series of of episodes with this podcast on hardcore singers where are they now <laughs> you know Cause yeah because yeah. I, I you know when you think of you know, uh, nodes, and now the you listen to the burlap, the the bitter honey album. Um, yeah, not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess I say that, but at the same time, like as I'm listening to it, I'm I'm reading the lyrics, and I can totally see, like, yeah, you definitely came out of that metal genre feel just because of. I don't know, maybe it's the way they were worded, or maybe it's just the poetry in them. Because when I listened to that music back in the day, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, the uh, intricacy of it was kind of a big deal. Like the more difficult you could make your song, the better popularity you got. I don't know. Like if you had double bass, if you didn't have double bass, you might as well not even try. You yeah. know what I mean? On the on the on the drums, but uh, I don't know. And you know, hearing how much effort you put into your words, that that makes a lot of sense to me, I guess. Well, but. and that's what I did in that band. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't write the the songs. Like my my con- contribution was to the to the music was to write the words. And I mean, it's screaming, so yeah. it's not like I'm like writing melodies really or anything. It's like writing the words and and then you know performing. Yeah, you know? but yeah, so like my part in the making. You know, the like the my contribution to the music itself was completely lyrically based. So I think that's what you see is like I, I have, you know, I've always been more lyrics are a lot more important to me than most people. Like sure. even people I play music with, you know, like like I've played music with people who have no fucking clue what any of my lyrics have been the whole time because they just don't give a shit. Right. Like that's not how they, you know, that's not how music you know, touches them or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's weird to me because, like, I i mean, I, from a young age, that was just it. It was the whole package. Like, I mean, my earliest memories of music, like, that, like, really touched me was, like, James Taylor music yeah. that I'd hear on the radio, just, you know, on some light station that I might put on when I was, like, five, six years old. I don't, you know, it was, like, 
Well, I have a radio in my bedroom. I don't, it's too quiet in here. I'm just going to turn this on. Okay. You know, and I'd hear, you know, like a mid seventies, like James Taylor song. And there's something about his voice that's vulnerable. And then like some of the material, you know, I mean, is pretty heavy lyrically. Yeah. And so like, I mean, a song like you can close your eyes is like phew, amazing yeah. song. And it's like pretty heavy. So, uh, I think, you know, hearing those songs as a kid, like the juxtaposition of the music and the lyric were already like, and, and the emotion that it was creating was already very powerful to me. And I was, and I, I felt that even as a kid, like I was very in tune with like what the words were, you know, and what the story was and all that. That's how I remember a song. Like, yep. that's why, you know, um. I mean, I've probably got about six or seven hundred songs lyrically memorized, just because it's just if I if I don't like the lyrics, I'm not going to care about the song. Um, no I would say I, it separates the men from the boys, so to speak, <laughs> when it comes to like writing a song. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can you can easily put anything together that's going to rhyme, right? You know, um, but like the the best songs. Like, so I just recently uh, discovered. I say discovered. I've Apparently, been listening to his songs all along. Didn't realize he was the guy that wrote them. <laughs> uh, Blaze Foley. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, sure of course, you have. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, good old Blaze. Uh, <laughs> so the the thing I the thing that just struck me in him. So him, John Prine, Willie Nelson. Those are my, that's kind of my tops. Like that's mm -hmm. Willie Nelson's my all time favorite. John Prine's right there with him, and Blaze has quickly jumped right up. But the thing about it is, it's. It's the lyrics because their songs are pretty simple to play. Oh yeah, yeah. Very yeah. simple to play, you know. And it, it, same, the same thing with when you go listen to Waylon Jennings or Billy Joe Schaefer, um, you get into all of that type of stuff. It's 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 a story that takes you somewhere, and at that point, like it almost doesn't matter what the music is. Now, the music matters to a point because if, if it's not there, if the music doesn't follow the story, you're going to know it and it's not going to be a good song. Right. But... Uh, right, you're not going to write a metal song about, like, giving your kid a bath. No, it's, it's not, not going to happen. Work. Although, million-dollar idea, let's give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear you. I mean, to me, I mean, melody to me is probably the most important thing because I think that's what sticks and that's yeah. what grabs people. It's the ability... To put a quality lyric over top of that melody to me that that's where that that's where it goes from being like all right cool to like like cemented memorable yeah. going to stick around with you you know and especially when an artist these days can put that into a, an album as a like a whole body of like songs where where they're uh you know just seemingly not a lot of misses you know mm -hmm. it's like some artists you know, I mean, there's some artists where I think that they're really great lyric writers, but they let some stuff slip every once in a while. I'm like, how would you let that go? Ryan Adams, for example, oh, is somebody who every once in a while will write something where, yeah, something like a cannonball shooting out a cannon. How can you say that with a straight face? Like, you know, I mean, there's there's a few lyrics that come to mind. Uh, there's a bright eyes lyric about like leave the cauliflower and the casserole today or some shit and. Dawes has that song about like pile on the mashed potatoes and I'm taking an extra chicken <laughs> wing or something like yeah. that. You know, like yeah. Like there's little things where I'm like, 
What I don't was know. Going like, your like, head? like I can understand writing that down and, and being like, ah, fuck, I'm gonna come back and fix that later. But it's so funny, you know. Like, uh, you almost wonder if at some point they just get to a level where ah, it doesn't matter. Let's just put it out. And I mean, I thought that, but I'm gonna get. But they managed to do good on the other. Yeah, it's true. But I mean, there are some. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that you know when you're putting out albums more often too, like you can get away with a few lazier lyrics. It's strange with a band like Dawes, who like their last album, not my favorite from them. Seeing them live play it was, oh okay, I get it a little bit more now, but it. Still didn't hold up on record, but that, like, when the tequila runs out, we'll be drinking champagne song, like, being their single and everything. I was just like, God, how could you? This is just not the band that, that I, you know. Well, but you at wonder, the same time, you got to do what you got to do. You wonder, too, how much of that is the band or the, the label kind of making those choices. This is your single. Oh, yeah. And, know, I mean, that could be it. But, I mean, the fact is, is it ended up on the album. You know, that's and it's true. just a weird, like, and, I mean, I don't, again, I mean, I think it's great when bands are trying new things. I one of the reasons I like to put lots of different songs on one record is so I don't end up in a. Here I am going. To, I'm not comparing myself to any of these great artists, by the way. Oh, uh, I'm totally uh, going to throw you. Yep, this but, is what's happening right now. But somebody like Sturgill Simpson, where you know he put out his last record, and there was such a backlash from some of these dumbass honkies who like yeah. they want this one thing and they want it to deliver this way, and like. The minute you stray from it, even a touch, like, oh, you lost me, man. This is shit. No, How dare you shit. put a brass ensemble? You just don't like it. <laughs> in your music. You know, it's like, no, you, you know, like, I honestly find the country country unless it's this. I find them as annoying as the, the like, people who think that, like, artists we talked about right. earlier are country, you know, like. I, I find it just as annoying as, like, the minute somebody does something, like, that they don't see as being, like, the way they want it, they just move on to the next guy. So, yeah. like, right now, who's the next guy for these people? Cody Jinks. Yeah. Until he does something that they don't and like. I'm and I'm sure just, he will. And he will. And I hope he does. Because, quite frankly, like, you're kind of... You're kind of kicking out the lowest common denominator of your fans. I yeah. mean, they're loyal. Yeah. If... Yeah. You do exactly what they but want. But see, then at that point, at that point, you gotta wonder, like, are they even fans? Like, that's one of the because right. you know, I've I've listened, I've I've been a fan of Sturgill for a long time, and mm -hmm. I think his newest album is is my favorite. And one, it's a concept album, which instantly has me hooked because I already told you I'm I'm a huge yep. fan of those. But but two, it's like you are, if you like the artist, then you're gonna like what he puts out. Right, right, right. If if you if you are if you like a genre, then you're gonna have that's gonna that's always gonna happen. Yep. Because people, I mean, you listen, you listen to any of the older like Waylon, Willie, you know, Merle, anything like that. They put out albums that, yep. I don't. That's not really a country album. You know, they're putting yep. out a bunch of different stuff because that's what you did back then. From yep. one, two, you covered everything. Yep. You know, but uh, but you also, I mean, you're gonna have misses too. I mean, like I like you know, like a Ryan Adams has had albums that didn't do much for me and yeah I, i'm a huge fan of his have been for you know since i since probably 98 99 with yeah. whiskey town so yeah. like but i mean there's still album like his album from last year it did it just didn't do much for me maybe if Prisoner? i revisit it yeah the one before that i enjoyed uh you know mm -hmm. but i mean the last one that he did that like it's been a while for me to, to, to one where, like, oh, man. But when he did that run of with uh, Cold Roses and Jacksonville City Nights, oh, I, was like, yeah. I was, like, super about that. And since then, he's 
put out some good collections of songs and stuff really when it comes down to it but it, it never it didn't stick with me the way that some of that did and some of the earlier work and whatever mm-hmm. but i still like when the artist is coming out with something i'm still interested in it you know what i mean yeah. like i'm always going to be interested in it because it's it's still in there you know yeah. um yeah, that 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 aspect of people are uh, to me they slowly are killing some of the joy in some of these great, um, you know. I mean, I I don't think of Sturgill or Isabel or you know like that, even Stapleton. I don't think of them as being country singers. I think of them as being Americana singers because they right. do like so much different kinds of music. I mean, you listen to Stapleton. Yeah, he's gonna have a song that's gonna sound like ZZ Top too, man. Like it's just. Well, Thank God the f- they're doing that. The fact that the fan, quote unquote fan, believes that the artist owes them a certain style of music right. is just, un- it's just unreal. Well, they're also the same people that would like, I mean, they show their intelligence by saying stuff like, well, he turned into a pussy. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, okay. Okay. Like, well, you, know, you clearly, like, like, I cannot have a conversation yeah, with but you. Yeah, but that's, that's <laughs> that kind of, I mean, you know, yeah. like Justin Towns Earl talks at length in, you know, interviews at times about, they're like, you made a, you know, kind of hard turn after your second album, you know, like, and you kind of got, you know, you were less edgy, a little more, you know, a little more laid back and a little more focused on varying the sound out a little bit, you know, and, and he's like, I just, he's like, I think part of that's natural. Like uh, uh, it's what I wanted to do, but I would definitely admit that there was a part of me that was trying to weed out some of the dipshits that were coming to my shows. And you that's flat out crazy. said that. Oh yeah, oh. and that's one thing I like about him is, as unpopular as it might be at times, the motherfucker says what he thinks. Yeah, you know, like he's his dad. He's he's his father's son in that aspect for sure. Like yeah, he's gonna say what he wants to say, even though it might not be the popular thing to say. And I mean, I know he has. He's he's had a you know string of people where he's turned them off you know where mm-hmm. he's had really good friends that he's turned off due to his mouth, <laughs> but I you know I appreciate I mean what a weird thing to have to do you know um, but I still like some of that early stuff the best I will admit it but yeah. it, but at the same time I totally understand it. Oh, and you opened for him. Yeah, yeah, I've that, that must him. have been a cool experience. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I got to. You got to spend some time with him. Usually, a lot of time. I mean, I've played. I've opened for tons of people that I listen to all the time and admire, and it's pretty cool to have all those opportunities that mm-hmm. I've been able to have. But yeah, he was. He was a good time. You know, I mean, I didn't didn't know what to expect, but I just kind of the night that we played together was uh, we were at the Orpheum Theater in Sioux Falls, which is like a seven hundred and fifty seat theater. Pfft, yeah, I mean, it wasn't even remotely close to full that night. Yeah. It was like a Monday or Tuesday, but um, it was one of the first times I got to play like a like a set there, not just a song, and, mm-hmm. and that was something I'd wanted to do. And, and opening for somebody I'd, you know, uh, always been a fan of. That's that was cool, and it was cool to like. I just kind of wandered into there, you know, into his dressing room. He was playing. It was just him and a, a gentleman on pedal steel. So I just wandered in and started rapping. Mostly we just talked baseball to start sure. off because I was like, well, I'm not gonna. I'm going to chat about something I know he enjoys. I'm not going to chat about the same old bullshit. So we just talked baseball for quite a while. And it was it was an interesting show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he rolled up a couple of spliffs before the show. Like the whole time we were talking, he was emptying American Spirit cigarette and mixing it with weed in the back. And he ripped, he's like telling me how he needed to smoke a couple before he went on. And I'm 
thinking, well, pff, that's no shocker to me. I do the same right. shit. Like I'm gonna right. minus the tobacco. What good is that? So <laughs> I'm just gonna. You know, I like to get a little lift because I don't want to think about what I'm doing. I just want to do it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't want to think about, like, why is that person looking at me funny? Why is this people in the fr front talking about Are they talking about me? I right. just want to do. I want to focus on what I'm doing. And uh, so I understood it, but it was funny that night because, like, even my mother was just like, that guy was a little out there. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, just the stuff he was saying, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm like, yeah, I don't know, man. He was... <laughs> It, I agree with you. Yeah. You know, it was a weird. It was kind of a weird show, but um, he's a great songwriter. He though. is. I, it would have been a hell of a time playing drums with him that night. I'll tell you that he was uh, all over the place. Really? Wise. Yeah, he was oh, on man. his own little cloud nine. So just him and a pedal steel, huh? That's yep. that's what I do most of the time. That's kind of cool. I have to have to start learn. I I play a few of his tunes. I might have to start learning some more. Yeah, he that. did. Uh, that's what he was doing that uh, that tour. And I think he'd done that for a while. I mean, mostly financially based. I'm sure. Um, I know the last tour he did last summer, I would have loved to see because mm -hmm. the Sadies were the opening band and I think, or they were the opening band and then his backing band. And I mean, I think the Sadies are like the most unappreciated, underappreciated band of the last like 15, 20 years probably. Yeah. I mean, um, in their early stuff when they were just more of an instrumental band, it was, you know, that's one thing, but like their last handful of records are incredible and I've seen them live and holy mackerel. Whew. Those boys can play. Insane, huh? Yeah, and I mean, they'll do an old-time fiddle tune, and then they'll play just insane psychedelia. I mean, they like, I mean, they can just flip it on Jeez. and off. I mean, when I saw them, it was in uh, Echo Park in Los Angeles in a, you know, smaller club, and, you know, I was already, like, totally just into this gig. They were just killing it, and then, at you know, halfway through the show... One of the Clark brothers said, you know, uh, we're in L.A. and so close to Laurel Canyon. Uh, we have to play some canyon music. Here's a, here's a love tune from the band Love, and it was off of their Forever Changes album, one of my favorite records. You know, like I'm big into that stuff, uh, the canyon music and just L.A. music in general or California music of the late 60s and early 70s. So they freaking played a, what is it, a house is not a hotel, and I was just like, my jaw was on the ground <laughs> because it's such a rocker and, and they were just destroying it. Just, just, and I was just looking around. I'm like, I, can't, I, I, I cannot believe this band isn't playing a bigger venue. You know, it was, yeah. just, it was nuts. So, um, yeah. Oh, it's that's my JTE story. Talent. I, I've, I've quickly learned that talent does not coincide with fame. Mm -mm. Like it's just, it's not. And I, I started, so it was, gosh, almost, Eight years ago now, seven years ago maybe, that I started playing out in public. And uh, I'd been playing since I was 16. Just right. always, you know, just never played in public. And a buddy of mine had a gig, got stuck at work, called me, said, hey, can you just fill in until I get there? Well, he never got there. So I ended up playing three whole hours. Whoa. And, um, and it just kind of hit me as like, oh, man, I could do this. You yeah. know? Uh, but then the, as now I've, you know, with the South Dakota Songwriters thing and just getting you know thing out there and i've met some incredibly talented musicians songwriters and that there is there's no correlation with talent and fame like it is just right it's yeah. almost like it's it's really sad but it's well who do you know mm -hmm. and what can you do for us otherwise we're not going to do anything for you yep. you know and that was something that i learned even in the early days of like when i was playing metal I was like watching 
bands that were not good. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, I could name off bands that were popular in the day, and man, they were rough live. And then you'd like hang out with them after the gig, and it was so funny how like they were more concerned in the way everything was being marketed, and like, I mean, it was like a total business, which it is. But I mean, like, I mean. Music first and foremost. Got to keep the lie going, right? Man. You yeah. got to be concerned about it at yep. that point. <laughs> yep. But it was so weird, like playing with some of those acts and stuff. But like, I could relate because you're never comfortable where you're at. You're always like looking for that next plateau. Like, okay, well, we got here. Mm-hmm. I'm not satisfied. We got to get up here. Okay, we got up here. Still not satisfied. I think that's that's that way for everybody. Really, that's human nature. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's interesting, you know. Too. It's also interesting. Like the perception of success, because some of the people who are making the most interesting music out there for me personally right now might not get another record out. It, it just, you know, you never know. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love that Tyler Children's album from last year. I freaking just loved yeah, it. I, I, I mean, I listened good. to it so much that I had to just put it away for a while because, like, during the summer, I was just crazy. And it was like, this is the perfect soundtrack for the way I am right now. And, yeah. like, like I, I mean, anytime I'd be at work and White House Road would come on, I'm like, oh, it's my anthem. It's my anthem. It's one of my the songs about me. Songs to play, like, dude. It's, it's so good. It's so funny, you oh. know. And uh, and I mean, the guy could maybe. Not, I mean, I don't think it's gonna be the case, but the guy might never put out another record. He might yeah. not be able to because of some bullshit. You know, it's it's so um, it's so fickle. So it's it's fun to see some of these people getting, um, like I said, like a quick rise. John Moreland's a great example of somebody who put in the work. Like, I used to play metal shows with John Moreland back in the day. Yes. Like, um, whenever we play Kansas City and Tulsa, he was in a band called 30 Called Arson, and we'd yeah. always play together. So the first time, like, I'd been listening to John's music for, like, six months, and I finally was like, man, I got to see what this guy fucking looks like. In my head, I had him looking something like A. Bondi or something, you know, <laughs> like this tall, skinny, like, dude, you know, and then I like saw him. I was like, "Holy shit, that's not what I expected." Yeah. And then I looked at him even closer, and I'm like, Wait, "I know this motherfucker. Like, I know this dude. Like, he is so familiar." And then I like looked at, "Oh yeah, he's from Oklahoma." Oh my god! And it, I just put it together. Wow. Next thing I know, like there it was. So it was fun. That's first, crazy. First man. time I saw him play live was in Sioux Falls. He was opening for Jason Isbell. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got to talk to John and after the show. I was like, "Hey, man." Uh, you know, I just told him, I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but, uh, we used to play shows together all the time. I was in Nodes of Ranvier, man. He's like, Thomas, man. You know, I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, it was crazy. So, yeah, I mean, but he's an example of like one of these things where it's like, sometimes the talent is so strong that like it can, it can, um, it can't be ignored, you know? And right. Thank God. Like in his situation, that was it. I mean, like, you know, he, him going to Nashville or something like that, people would be like, what am I supposed to do with this guy? You know, right. like, what the fuck am I, how am I selling this shit? You know, but that's just it, you know. And, and it was fun, it was fun to view it happen the way it did because he'd had a couple albums out, you know, and In the Throws was so strong. Yeah. But he wasn't, he wasn't big yet. Yeah. And it, But it was fun, watch, like, following him on social media at that time because I would even follow his, like, you know, his personal account and it would be, he'd say things like, that moment when you're playing a room in Nashville and you look out in the crowd and there's this tall, lanky guy that looks like David Rawlings, and then you realize that is David Rawlings. <laughs> you know, like that had to be a really crazy time Unreal, for him, man. like to like 
have all that kind of stuff happen. So it's it's cool to see that kind of stuff happen because it is rare. I mean, I yeah. I love Margot Price. Like, I think she's great. Like, um, but like, definitely, there's like an element of um, branding that's so much stronger in what she's doing um, than like other people, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, and I think that's. Um, I mean, it, it helps, I think, in a business sense, for sure. And I think she's another person that, like, really blew up quickly. She put out the first album. Doesn't hurt that it, she's on, you know, Third Man. Right. It's such a great, uh, you know, like, yeah. marketing, uh, you know, minds behind Third Man. So that helps a lot. But, man, she took that opportunity that she was given, and she went with it, and she put in the work, man. Mm-hmm. And, she, and now she's getting to play with all these, like, not only get to play with some of her heroes, but she's also... Uh, Gotten to a stature now. Even I mean, she just put out her second album. It's and unreal. She's already Have a, you listened to it? Yeah. Oh it's man, great. it's so good. And she's a headlining act. Now. Yeah. She's bringing out all these people. Yeah. So that was cool. Like her being down in at the Ryman and having Tyler open and Colter yeah. open and John open and all these guys. Like oh god, that makes me so happy because yep. that's that's almost that acknowledgement of like back in the seventies when you had guys like Waylon. You know, he had to like make a nod, like, yeah. I mean, I'm singing these songs, and I'm, I'm, I'm what you think of. But Billy Joel Shaver wrote these songs. Yeah, they're all his. You know man. what I mean? Like, so they're all his. I think it's kind of like uh, <laughs> it's a tradition to, you know, I mean, she's kind of following in those guys' footsteps. Like, yeah, I mean, like I'm doing this, but then there's these guys, yeah, like, writing this shit. Pay you attention, know? yes, because there's some stuff happening that you're no one's hearing about. Yep. You know, um, I think uh, so. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, uh, Oklahoma's got a kind of a, they're kind of, I don't know if they've always been blowing up Oklahoma or if they're just, Kentucky people are right finally now. paying attention. <laughs> yeah. But like uh, John Fulbright's another big one I love out of Oklahoma. Uh, Parker Millsap, Parker I love Millsap. him. I, you know, I um, played with, I opened him for him last summer. No kidding, yep. man. Nice work. Um, Turnpike, Troubadours, I'm a big fan of those guys. You yep. know, and everything that you get, you get, when you get off, God, it sounds so stupid to say, but when you get quote unquote off grid i guess and you shut off the radio right. you start looking for yourself hey what what are some people out there that i've never heard of you've almost well it's like finding craft beer you know uh, and we're drinking coors right now but yeah. that's, that's <laughs> beside the point but like when you stop drinking you know bud light all the time or miller light all the time and you go to a craft brewery wow there's yep. a lot. There's a lot more you can do with this, right? With, with you know, and and there's so that when you find like, hey, I like country music. Oh, you know, what do you listen to? Oh, I listen to, you know, whatever CMT's putting out and everything right. like that. You know, and then you turn turn the corner a little bit and you find people like Sturgill or Cody Jinks or uh, Coulter Wall or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, there is a whole other depth to this and a whole other way of doing this that I didn't even realize. Um, and I think it just, well, and what happens too is I think it exposes you to a whole other world, um, not just musically, but even just socially, oh, um, right, you know, right. and culturally of, you know, cause you know, Margaret Price's, um, her American made album has some political views in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Isabel's new one and the, you know, the Nashville sound has a very pointed political song in there, you know, and, and you were that you would not get that on the radio. Why? Well, because it's, it's too real. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not about like it's tailgates a, it's a, and it's cold a, beer and Daisy oh, Dukes. Gosh. Give me a give me a backwards truck and I say backwards truck because they're all backwards when yeah. when you're on a back road and that. But uh, and 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 it, it's 
it's challenging. And I don't know if people, I feel like people forgot that music can and should challenge you, um, get you to think about stuff. Right. You know, you've got your party music that has its place, but my gosh, if that's all you're listening to, you know, there's a certain part of your brain that's just staying <laughs> shut off, yep. man, you know? Yep. Well, and some people don't devour music the way other people do, too. I mean, it's just not important, you know? Like, some people like sports, others don't, you know? I yeah. love sports, and I'm constantly around people who just think of them as being this awful waste of time, you know? Like, oh, why would you want... Well, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about it if you already have your mind made up. Like, right. like that's fine. Like, you don't have to. I mean, we all... You know, music is... You know, that's the thing, you know, in my life, it's always been as as important as anything else. I have to remind myself at times, like, the way I feel about music, most people don't feel like a 16th yeah. of that about it. So it is, you know, it's a lot easier for them to just show up and go to work. And, like, I mean, for a long time, I mean, a lot of people's exposure to music is just what's on the radio when they go to work. You know, especially when you think about it in, like, manufacturing facilities and things like that where... It's just radio on, you know, so like that's what you're you're exposed to. They don't care to expose themselves to music more than that. Like that's just how it is with some people. Some people don't go to a concert of or a musical performance of any kind all year long. Won't see any. Yeah. And they, they won't even think twice about it because it's just yeah. not their life, you know. So I try to have to remind myself that a lot, you know. But yeah, I mean, it is unfortunate that uh you know it's unfortunate these days that not everybody who's making good music is is, uh, is able to make it, but it's just a reality. It's the same thing with, you know, I mean, again, I'll use the sports analogy. Not every great athlete's going to make it. So, I mean, and there's a lot of underlying factors that are involved, you know. So, um, Has your, um, has, has Bitter Honey gotten some notoriety or some exposure as far as people being, like, just knowing about it? and? I mean, I think... Regionally, specifically around Sioux Falls, like, yes. Okay. But outside of that, no, not really. I mean, we don't have distribution with different folk right now. We're very much like a boutique label. I like to call it vanity vinyl at times because it's it's more or less like we're just doing very small runs and more and more than anything else just to amuse ourselves. And that's you? It's, it's five. Uh, it's, it's me and four other people. Okay. Yep. Um, but no, I mean... I think the combination of, I got a lot of press uh, mm -hmm. back home um, around the time of the album coming out. And I'd earned that over the years, uh, you know, being, getting in touch with the people that I needed to get in touch with, knowing the right people in the right places. Mm -hmm. But also I felt like they don't give that kind of exposure to everyone. So that, so it has to have some val uh, validity to, to, you know, for them to, to even like, print about it sure so i had a lot of exposure through that and then the white wall sessions is, is a big help so i i'd say like it's interesting because you know in the last you know the white wall thing came and that was when i started like going to the grocery store and people would start hey you know like i mean i remember one day i saw like an 85 year old woman she's like hey you're that <laughs> wolf guy i see on the white wall sessions you know like so that started happening and then like when I put out this record, it, you know, there was a lot of press about it locally. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and it was cool because, like, I was selling more records in August at retailers in town than I was in May and June, right, when it come out. Because it was starting to get word of mouth and people were like, oh, man, like, I got to have that. Like, 
so it, it's been really cool to watch that happen. Um, um, I'm real, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to get back to it. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have the most grandiose ideas anymore for like my, where, you know, where my music's going to go. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep on playing it, try to represent it the best I can, uh, in a live scenario when the opportunities present themselves and, uh, you know, um, keep on making records because I enjoy doing it and there's clearly an audience for it. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm not. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I don't know that I'm even interested necessarily in music being my my living, you know, means to an end because it's such a here today gone today kind of thing. Like we as talked far as about performing earlier. it and playing it and stuff. Yeah, or? just like I mean, there were times where I think uh, I could have made the jump to to just be like, you know what, I'm just going to do music, and if I don't work, I'll concentrate on it more, and I'll be able to play more, and I'll you know I'll be able to make ends meet. And I think I could have. Like, I really do, but I didn't want to make it work. Mm -hmm. It just didn't seem like it would take the joy out of it for me. And uh, and at my age now, um, like, I don't, like, traveling is hard for me. I don't like doing it, especially not by myself like I am right now. Like, sure. it's, it's miserable. I'm not going to lie about it. But I've never been, like, even when I toured back in the day, I wasn't crazy about it. Mm -hmm. um, I get homesick. You know, I get, I, I want that comfort, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I definitely think there's a certain level of, of where you can achieve a certain level of success to where I would have no problem being on the road um, because it would make sense. But, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've read, or I was in L.A. in October and NPR one night we were just driving around trying to get to a restaurant and NPR out in California had a wonderful um, interview with Jason Isbell mixed with some, um, you know, performance from a recent concert. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even where the level he's at, he talked about how, you know, the road is not something I like to do. It's a necessity of life. Like for yeah. me, like if I didn't go out on the road, I wouldn't make any money. And he's like, that's the nice thing is like, I've, you know, I, I've gotten to a point where people come to see me in big crowds and I make good money and that's how I make my living. And I can afford to take care of my band and pay for their living. And I got to the point where I can take my family on the road with me. I still would rather just go home at night and be with my family. You yeah. know, and a lot of people would think, well, that's ridiculous. You know, don't you like playing music? I mean, what a foolish thing to even say. I mean, the guy is <laughs> clearly enjoys playing music. Right. It's just, if it was up to him, he'd like to play that music for you tonight and somehow get home yeah. at the end of the show. Yeah. You know? And I mean, there were people, I mean, there's people that do that. You know, I mean, there's people, I mean, Neil Young for uh, a time period too was flying two gigs and back home at times. Um, during tours like boom 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 oh, to goodness. take care of his son more than anything else but yeah but uh it's interesting um you know even people in that level still aren't comfortable with the idea you know and like he said in the interview too people think people think that it's this glamorous thing like oh i'm out on the road tonight i'm in new york city tomorrow i'm in philadelphia so they think oh we're going out to all these great restaurants and we're yeah, seeing all that these cities party all the time yeah no it's like your bus pulls in at 10 a.m and you've been on the road trying to sleep in a bunk all night and you know the crew goes out and unloads everything and at some point in the early afternoon you're summoned for lunch and then you eat you uh you know sound check for a couple hours and then you you know, and it, to use his own words, you know, 
Bust all ass all day to play hurry up and wait. That's yeah. what they do, you know? Yeah. And then you play and you get off, uh, you know, and then you you leave the stage and then it's just like doing it all over again. And, you know, my mom's so funny. She, we used to watch Behind the Music all the time when we were kids, you know, and she, I can't believe you guys can watch this all the time. It's the same story every time. Band struggles, band gets successful, they do a bunch of drugs and they ruin it. Like, you know, and I'm like, but I told her one day, I was like, do you ever realize why they do that shit? And she's like, no, it's stupid. And I'm like, well, I'm not saying it's not stupid, but the fact of the matter is, is it, it, you can't be this person and hit this euphoric point night after night in front of all these people. When you go off the stage, you have to be a person. Yeah. And you have to come down. And some, yeah. somehow you have to come down or you have to try to stay up. It's one way or the other. You're going one direction or the other. Yeah, so got, it's I, like I got a buddy of mine that, and we've been talking a lot about this. Where he, um, he's a frontman for a uh, huge, huge band right now, and he he's kind of their new their new frontman. And I met him the other day. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and he told he told me he said it's he said he said I totally get it. Now he's obviously smart enough and dedicated enough or he's not he's not stupid but he's like i totally get why people get to that level they're playing for 40 50 100 000 people yep. they come home and they they can't they, they don't know how to react yeah because like there's a reason that they start drugs right right because they, they gotta they gotta they gotta they they get addicted to having to feel that yeah I mean, you're he either feels looking it for himself. he'll come home yep. yeah yep. well he'll come home and he's like i i i'll come home and he said I'll, I'll text my wife i was like hey I'll be home in a bit, and he'll he'll go hang out downtown, and he just you know have a few drinks and just kind of okay, I'm 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 here, you know, I'm I'm back in back yep. into quote unquote real life, you yep. know, and yep. uh, and he said it takes a while. He said it it sometimes it takes a couple days, you know. It's yep. just it's that it's that much of a high, and mm-hmm. he said I don't think people realize how much of a high it can be. Yep. And not only that, but you're like, when you're in those positions, you're pampered, you know? Uh, I mean, especially if you're like very successful, everywhere you show up, people are like pulling out all the stops and pampering you. That's not real life. Like, you know, and, um, you know, back in the day, I mean, in this wild west of the seventies, so to speak, you know, these guys, I mean, you think of, uh, the hedonism that just went on, you know, outside of the show, the the after show, the parties, the sex, all these things, you know, it's again, yeah. I mean, they're just trying to take what happened on the stage and and somehow recreate it in a different scene. Like that's exactly what they were doing, right? You know, um, it it wasn't healthy and it killed yeah. a lot of people. And if nothing else, it probably gave a lot of them some dirty dicks. But uh, you know, I mean. It's it's so funny, like that idea that like, well, this person's living my dream. I can't believe they can't get their shit together. It's like you probably be as vulnerable as they are, man. Yeah, like you don't. And I know I would. I mean, I know it. I would if yeah. I, if I was if if that happened to me. Uh, I don't consider me myself to be somebody with a quote unquote like addictive personality by any stretch of the imagination. But even at my level, I mean. I mean, the, even the summer when we played at like, uh, like our hometown jazz fest and played on the main stage Friday at six p.m. Like, like I remember having to talk to myself before the show about enjoying the moment, mm-hmm. and when the moment was over, 
like you have to enjoy the moment and cherish the moment afterwards, but you got to just let it lie. Like, because that's not reality. Well, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about when we started, just the, the idea of, of eternity. Like imagine that party going on forever. Yeah. That would by definition feel like hell. You know yeah, what right? I mean? No matter how exciting it was, like to, to run that and maintain that, um, there's, there's a reason things, things end and yep. that's a good thing, you know? Yep. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I, I've never experienced anything close to that. The, you know, I mean, Western South Dakota is, uh, it's got its own ups and downs, but, right. um, and, and, uh, I feel like West and East River, like music, there's a, there's a massive disconnect just in, I don't know if it's just perception or if it just is what it is, where we just, we just don't get to interact with each other a lot. Cause you know, when I started the South Dakota songwriters thing, I anticipated it being like statewide, right? but it's, it's definitely West River yep. leaning. One, it's my own fault cause it's where I live. Well, right. You know, but it's easy for me to interact with all of them. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's like. It's kind of the same thing, like, like I work for Prairie Berry in Sioux Falls, and you know we're we're promoting local product. Yeah. But like Minneapolis, Omaha, you know Fargo, all closer to us. Yeah. Than Hill City. That's where we first talked. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I uh-huh. we emailed back and forth. I had a gig at Prairie Berry. Oh sure sure sure. Yep. I, yep. God, it just hit me. Yep. That's because I was booking. Here you were booking from, from Sioux Falls. That's yeah. right. Oh, yep. Jeez. Wow. So yeah. So yeah, Man. I mean like. I think that's a big part of it. Like it's, it's a long enough drive. And like, I don't think like, certainly I don't think people from Sioux Falls think like, Oh, I'm going to go out to rapid city or something or spearfish and play. I don't think they're thinking of it as being like, well, that's six hours, you know, five, six hours away. I should be way more concentrated on these markets in Omaha, Minneapolis, Fargo, whatever, who, who, you know, who have a little more of an established thing, right? you know, like, it goes back to that plateau thing I was right. talking about earlier. Yeah. That's part of it. But I also think, yeah, it's proximity. I mean, I think people here, like you go to see shows, you're probably going to Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm from, we're going to Minneapolis, Minneapolis and Omaha, sure. you know? So like, even out here, like I think people, you know, I mean, even when people go to see music outside of the state, they're going to two different places. So yeah, I, I there hasn't been a whole lot of quality thing, but I think a lot of it is because both communities are still, I mean, it's definitely better in Sioux Falls. I mean, there's no question about it um, as far as like turnouts for music events. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of small scenes within this larger music community. Sure. And, And when I moved there, that wasn't the case. I mean, there were a couple little scenes, but those scenes had like tiny little scenes, like, like, like the punk scene was like metal, hardcore, punk, all this stuff, emo, all this together. You know, you go to a show and it'd be all those different kinds, maybe even some hip hop in there. Yeah. You know? it, at that time, it was kind of more like original bands and cover bands was the kind of disconnect. It's totally different now. You know, there's a lot more going on. Um, and there's more specific places, I think, that are uh, more open to the idea of like a show that's like a bill, not just music. But we're not not like we're having this person come play tonight. It's more like, you know, it's a show. We have these this band with these two openers. You know, right? You see that a lot more where I'm from, uh, you know, in Sioux Falls than you do here. 
But that being said, neither Sioux Falls nor um, the Hills region here, there's not, there's not, I mean, strong places like that enough that the, the community isn't strong enough. And more or less, it's not the musicians, it's the audience. The yeah. audience is not strong enough to, to support a lot of that stuff. So um, that that's a big part of it. I mean, one, I mean, I'm, I'm driving through town here today and I drove by the back porch, you know. I mean, who the fuck plays there anymore? I mean, I know bands must play there, but they I, do. I never hear of, of bands from here playing there. Well, the, the problem with a lot of the things I notice is marketing doesn't seem to be, like, they don't see a need for it. And and part of it, part of a Spearfish is Friday and Saturday nights, people are out anyway. So, like, people are going to swing by anyway. So, yep. they don't ever market for it. Unless it's, like, a regional act coming through and there's ticket sales and then you'll see marketing for it yep. and everything like that. But that's being marketed by another organization. Right. Spread the tunes is a lot of they bring in a lot of artists sure. and like that. That's not being marketed by the yeah. by the bar. Yeah, like know? my friends used to come out here from Sioux Falls and play there every so often, uh, Snake Beard Jackson. And they were like, you know, half originals, half covers, yeah. real high energy group. Definitely I mean, definitely the main people in that band probably played music and wrote music for a little different reason than I do, and I know that to be a fact because we're friends and we talk about <laughs> it often and yeah. uh you know, like, I don't see the, uh, you know, I don't think of things and, like, what can I do to make the audience more? No, I just, this is what I do. This is how I do it to the best of my ability. If it's not for you, I'm not going to sit here and put on a dog and pony show to make yeah. you like me. So, uh, or to, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to save these, like, slower tunes for just putting on the record, you know, but, like, at the show, I'm just going to play a bunch of like rockers the whole right. time. Well, yeah, sure that works, but like, what are you trying to achieve? You know, right. and uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you hit it again. Like, they're not willing to put any promotion or any money because they're like, it's Friday or Saturday night in College Town. We're already have people out. They're going to come here. They're going to drink. We don't need to spend money to make money. They're going to come here anyway. Well, and they're not wrong. That's yep, the thing. They're, they're not wrong. You're absolutely right. That's going to happen. And again, I think it goes down to the perception of like, like. Um, how much people truly give a shit about music, you know? Yeah. Um, there's definitely, like, I mean, both. I mean, it's not as strong as it was in Sioux Falls, I think, now as it was one point. But, I mean, I think there's definitely some, definitely a hippie scene here in Spearfish, and there definitely wasn't. It's growing. And yeah. I will say one of the cool things about that is, like, those people tend to be a little bit more open-minded about lots of different kinds of music. But I will also say, I don't think they give a shit about it half as much as they think they do. Right. It's more of a like, yeah, man, it's just part of my lifestyle. Like, like they don't, they, they it's don't. It's the selfie. Yeah. yeah they I want to present this image out there. Exactly. It's it, it's like, <laughs> it's like, yo, I'm at the show with my tie dye shirt on, my fucking dreads, and like, you know, like, you know, they're 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 connecting with all these people, and the music's a part of it, but it's not the focus of it. Yeah. And that's what I found, you know. Um, with that, you know, um, it, it, and so that's, the, you know, it was like that was a unique thing for the, those boys because they could come out and they could connect with that audience because it was up-tempo enough and they could mm -hmm. dance to it and stuff, you know, where like we'd play shows together and we'd open and, and it was just too somber. Like, oh, this is just, I mean, it's good, but it's like, it's bringing me down, man. You know, it's just like so funny. Like, oh, sorry, man, I didn't, let me, tell me next time when you're going to drop the acid so that I can like, <laughs> Make sure that I play my up-tempo tunes right. later. And, you know, I mean, 
I got nothing against drugs. I got nothing against drugs, folks. (laughs) But uh, it's just one of those things that cracks me up. The but um, yeah, it's hard to be really passionate about something. I think and 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 not step away. If you don't step away and look at it with the aspect of like this isn't as important to other people. But there's a fine line, you know. Like Mm -hmm. I give some credence to that, but like when I'm in a position like I was last night, where I'm bringing something unique. That's something that you're going to get to every day in this small town in right. this you know, secluded area. I'm trying to give it to you, but you don't even want it. Well, it's finding your market, and it's it's recognizing the culture might not be there, but then it's also trying to discover how do we get the culture there. Right. You know, because uh, it's, I mean, Nashville, Austin, the, you know, those big music hubs, yep. they didn't happen overnight. Nope. You know, they, they, were, they were slowly built up that way, one, by the... I think, completely honestly, I think it's because the community and the culture around them recognize the value in investing in local artists. Yep. Awesome. Whether it's Certainly paint, whether way. it's, yeah. you know, poet, whether it's music, whatever the case may be, they saw that that, that is what draws people to places because it makes them unique. Yes. Another thing, going back to our yeah. thing, uh, yeah. Another reason why that's so much harder to do now is because in those days, people wanted to be a part of something, and now everybody wants to be a fucking individual. Ah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nobody wants to have a tag on them, and nobody wants to be labeled. I mean, none of us do. But the thing is, is back then, people want to be a part of something, and and that was exciting to them, you know, where I think now it's like, no, fuck that. I'm, I'm an individual, and I'm, you know... It goes back to that. Well, thing. and it almost becomes like if someone else is doing something, you can't support them because then you're preventing yourself from becoming. You know what I mean? Like you has to be about you all the time. That's what I'm getting. So at. if you go to someone else's show and they're up on stage, you're not on stage, and so then other people. I don't know. When I when when I first started playing out here, I noticed that like none of this, none of the artists and songwriters really knew each other. Like they they knew of each other. Yeah. They didn't know each other. Yeah. And it's like, we are in too small of a musical community right. to be competing, guys. That's like, what I'm saying. It's got to be together. This yeah, work. Exactly. Um, and the second we start supporting each other, well, I mean, look, what it's, look what's happened in the last five years. Yep. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Yep. I mean, I say all over the place, but it's definitely more than what it was. Right, you know? right. Um, you know, we did, last year we did the, the EPs for people, um, which was great. You know, it was like, hey, here's a bunch of artists that... At the time, can't afford to go to a studio. They have great music, and we have the we have the ability to just do a quick acoustic EP form, four or five songs, and get it out there for them. Right. And we did it, you know, right. and it, it was great. Yep. Um, it's uh, it, but it's that type of it's that type of mentality where you have to look at it as you're not just investing in yourself; you're investing in your culture and in the future of your community. And I mean, yeah, I could have I could have. When I started playing, I could have easily just been like, nope, I'm just going to shun everyone else and make sure that I'm the one getting the gigs, I'm the one doing this. One, I'm not that type of person. And two, yep. like, why would, why? Yep. You know, I would not even be able to go to the grocery store if I had that kind of attitude. Right, right. So. You know, and that's just it, is you want to be able to be a part of a scene and create a scene because if you do that, everybody benefits. Everybody, everybody benefits. benefits. The music's going to get better. The crowds are going to get bigger. And, and it just makes it more worthwhile. Have you, and the talent's going to get better. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, people are going to, like, you're going to have people that are going to see it and realize, oh, man, this is the place. And, I mean, I've gotten better. The people I've seen four years ago, all of a sudden I hear them now, I'm like, holy shit. 
Yeah, and I, I know a lot of people who quit playing music because they, they felt like there was no audience for it anymore, and they're just amazing musicians, and a lot of people's attitude towards them was, well, that's dumb, you should do it because you love it, and they're like, well, yeah, I mean, I love it, don't get me wrong, I'll still sit and play at my house. I'm telling you, I stopped playing gigs because yeah. of it. And I've got friends that are that way, you know, like, what's the fucking point? Nobody gives a shit, nobody comes, and when they do, they're just there to be there, and I'm like, well, that's just the way it is sometimes. And part of that is like when you're a local band, the idea is like, well... You know, sometimes you're lucky they even came because the idea is, well, I can see them another four months right. or six months or whatever, you know. Right. But uh, have you seen, are you familiar with Doug Sam from no. Texas? Okay. So he was a uh, Sir Douglas Quintet in the 60s. They had a big hit called She's About a Mover. And then he, uh, him and the band got into a little legal trouble for some weed. And then uh, once they got out of the legal trouble, he started the band back up again. He had a hit with a song called Mendocino. He's very influential, and the Austin scene, what we think of as being Austin, and that scene, I mean, he's as responsible for that as anybody, even more so than Willie Nelson. Hmm. Like, he's the one that brought that kind of hippie-ish country yeah. scene. He created that in Austin. He moved, he moved, he grew up in Houston. Once he got done with the legal bullshit there in Houston, he, he went and lived up in Mendocino in Northern California. Mm -hmm. And then he got tired of that and went. he, he wanted to go back home to, Cal or to Texas, but he didn't want to go back to Houston. He wanted to, he wanted to go somewhere else. And he went to, to, to Austin where he saw a little of this going on and then he really amped it up. So what we think of as you know, being that 70s Austin music scene with him and Willie and Asleep at the Wheel and all this stuff, like yeah. that, was, that was Doug. And, like he, huh. and then he left it. You know, like, I mean, he, he wrote, like, at one point he even put out an album, and on the back it was like a, a letter from him to the city of Austin. Like a goodbye. Telling him, like, goodbye. Like Dear John much. Yeah. Huh. It was very, it's very neat. There's a great documentary on him that uh, well, recently came out that I would highly recommend. But I mean, uh, that's that's always, I mean, when I, that's that's been my vision, like, and it probably is going to take 50 years, but you build a, I mean, to build anything that good doesn't happen in a few years like you're looking yep. at decades of your life yep. trying to build that type of a culture into it and you have to almost like almost like gene splice it into the growth of the community yep. you know and it does it doesn't happen overnight yep. and you know if i'm you know in 50 years if it, this builds into someone from up here finally you know getting in this culture getting that like cool that's I might never even live to see it happen, but so right. you got to start somewhere, yeah. you know. And, and I've always tried to do the same thing. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's one thing I have a problem with back home is like so often I try so hard to do something that's like culturally relevant, mm -hmm. like uh, um, in these events and be more than just these little events and concerts and shit. And so many of the people who I'm trying to reach, who who I do think are like-minded individuals, they'd just rather stay home and, and be self-important, you know, or, yeah. or just, you know, be individual or, or just be cool because they don't give a shit, you know, like it's just so lame, you know, but <laughs> not everything's going to be like, you know, perfect for everybody. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 uh, a while back, um, that Heartworn Highways Revisited, uh, mm -hmm. uh, DVD came out and, oh man, I got so excited that when it showed up in the mail, I had to work at two o'clock that afternoon and it showed up in the mail and I got super excited. I told my girlfriend like, oh, sit down, we're going to watch this movie. She's like, we're going to watch a movie this morning before you go to work? Yep. Oh, yeah, I can't wait till after work. Okay, okay. 
so I'm watching it, and you know, it's interesting because they're like talking about. I mean, the original movie it was about Texas songwriters, mm-hmm. and they talk about it being harkening uh, back to that, but it's all in Nashville, pretty much the movie, um, East Nashville. <laughs> yeah. But it's so crazy. Like, I love seeing this examination of that scene because I'm aware of it. I know about it. I know most of the, you know, artists who live there. I know some of them personally. Um, but it's so interesting to watch because I'm like, God damn it. That's that's what I wish my life was like. That's the kind of people I want to be like. I, I wish I was at that party. I wish I was doing that. But it's interesting. I bet if I sat down with one of them, like, in Sioux Falls and talked about that, they'd be like, that's oh, all right. I mean, it's not ideal. It's, I honestly think like that. Jeez. I, I, and, and I'm not blaming them. Right. I'm just saying right. that I think it goes back to, I think that they think of things like I think of Doug in Austin and, and, and like, uh, you know, the Greenwich village scene, the, uh, the Laurel Canyon scene, the uh, San Francisco scene, these movements that were so much bigger because at that time people were individuals but them wanting to be individuals is what brought them together. Right. And that's what's so different. And now it's like being an individual means that you're trying to like separ- separate more. I, it's, yeah. It's crazy. It's a constant level of acquiring for yourself, yeah. whether it's Facebook friends, whatever the case may be. And you just yeah. you never, the second you show any interest in someone else, all that person feels isn't connection with the other person. It's, oh, I, I have now gained something that makes me better. Or right, right, right. The case may be. Right, know. exactly. And it's, it's like, it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And, and, and you know, some people uh, they're built for it, and they like they thrive in it. I, I you know, eat I'm just not... because I'm unhappy, and I'm happy because I eat. Yeah, yep, yep. it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> oh. oh man. Oh jeez. Um, well, dude, we've been talking for like two and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, I got to ask you uh, how you came up with Burlap Wolfgang. Yeah, it's just a combination of two nicknames. Okay. Uh, Burlap was a, a work nickname, and then Wolfgang was more of like a joke thing. Uh, I had a dream one night where uh, it was like this Hugh Glass-like character, you know, uh, like this mountain man, and I uh, was attacked by a wolf, and I, and, I, and I killed the wolf with my bare hands, you know, and I... Uh, you know, like wore the pelt around, you know, like Jeremiah Johnson or some shit, you know. So um, I just liked putting the three words together. And, uh, you know, at the time when I did it, this was, you know, 12, 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. So there weren't as, quite as many wolf bands as there seemingly has been over the years. Um, you know, Which I, is I, why you're able to call yourself the king. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when I play shows with my buddy Eric, actual wolf. Oh, know, nice. I am on a list online on some, you know, pitchfork type bullshit or whatever yeah. where they list all the wolf bands. That's pretty funny. Um, I was happy to be included, you know. Um, but no, I just, I like the, 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 you know, the way the words, the three words together. I just like the image that it created for me. So yeah, I just no, was like, this works. And so you gave up all the all the crowns in heaven for the king crown of wolf. Oh yeah, Warner. man! You know, so you <laughs> nah, silly That's joke. Funny. And then um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how long you've been growing that glorious beard of yours. Ah. Mine, mine's a couple about two and almost three years old. Yeah, be- yeah, since I last did a trim, so maybe two. Wow, maybe two. I I go to the barber every. Th- Three to four weeks. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you keep it. You keep it at that. Mm-hmm. Then okay. I keep it. Yeah. I mean, I've had it longer. I've had it shorter. Or whatever. But this is kind of the length that I like the most. And and I used to grow it 
longer, but mine starts to tusk out a little bit. Yeah. So, but like, even when I, before I had this barber that I have now, um, you know, back then I used to get a haircut about four times a year. You know, I just... Just let it do it. I just never really had much of a hairstyle or anything. I just yeah. kind of whatever. And if it would get ornery, I'd just wear a hat. And I still do. But yeah. I got to a point recently where I found a barber that actually, like, could do, like, things like, like I really liked. And so I was like, fuck, I'll, I'll invest in going here more often. And then my hair, I've had a receding hairline on top for eight, ten years. So I figure at some point it's going to go. So I might as well do with what I have while I have it. But, uh, so yeah, so going in more often, I let him do my beard for me. Cause before, you know, I'd like sit there and do it in the mirror and trim it like a hedge, you know, yeah. I got pretty good at it, but you still make mistakes every once in a yeah, while, yeah. or you get carried away, take too much off. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, but no, I've, I mean, I've had this beard since 2004 um i mean there's only been one time where i didn't have it and uh during that and that was a shaving accident because i was trimming i was trimming and i took a big hunk out of my cheek and it was like the point of no return you're like oh, so i shaved shit. it i shaved it all off i didn't bick it or anything and then yeah. i just had like this big walrusy david crosby mustache and sideburns <laughs> and looked like an idiot yeah photos oh i think I there's like, a couple like somewhere you see those sometimes. yeah but uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I grew up in a house where yeah. I mean, I've never seen my dad uh, without a beard. Yeah, me too. So it's just... When I was 15, I grew a soul patch, and I'm so glad it's not just a soul patch anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was 1998. Like, you could grow a soul patch and be cool at that point. But... Well, I think I had a chin strap beard around that time. Yes. The Fred Durst chin strap, <laughs> you know. So that was my... That's good. Uh, yeah, so I, I've always had, like, yeah, I mean, I think I started growing a goatee, uh between eighth and ninth grade I, yeah. I i entered high school with a goatee yeah me too <laughs> so yeah it's always been there but it's yeah it's funny when people ask that like well how long you been growing that beard it's like fuck i don't know i yeah. mean like like what do you mean like because people have such a jaded concept like with like no shave november and oh like geez, that, you know yeah. like they think that this is like the only beard that i'd ever grown you know yeah. so it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah no I, I i grew it and never went back man Never will. I'll never see my chin again, and I I'm okay with that. Yep. So. No, I I like it too. It gives yeah. me the illusion that I actually have one. So right. Well, thanks for coming. This was great. My pleasure. This was a good conversation. Indeed. Well, uh, you ever get back out West River? If I get East River, let's do it again. Indeed. All right, man. <laughs> That's it this week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear more of Burlap Wolf King. Thomas Henges, check out burlapwolfking.com. If you're interested in becoming a regular at the Heath Bar, check out patreon.com forward slash the Heath Bar and join the rest of us. We'll see you next week.